Blog Talk Radio. And Eugene Benton taking your calls at 323-784-9681. Hey, good Saturday morning to everybody as we're getting you ready for an amazing show. It's excited up here uh, this morning. I'm Richie Altman. Glad to have you with us this morning as we're kind of getting everything back up and running here on the show. And we're going to get back to the Monday through Friday situation where we go live from 6 to 8 in the morning. That'll start in August. But here for the rest of July, we're going to kind of get this back up and moving, get the guests back up and comfortable coming back on the show. We had a great show last week. If you missed it, get over there and check out the podcast that, of course, uh, was saved during our live broadcast. I mean, we really had an amazing group of guys come in here and hang out with us. started, of course, uh, with one of the guys from Moving the Chains came in here, and uh, he did an amazing job kind of putting everything together from what those guys do and what those guys have been doing over at Moving the Change has been a lot of fun watching them as I've kind of taken some time away from the radio side and covering high school and college sports uh, to sit back and watch somebody else do it. Uh, you know, it's a lot of fun because you know already the energy that they put into it, the time that they put into it, and, and the things behind the scenes uh, that they do that make that uh, what it is. Uh, because, again, what you guys hear when we go live on the air or you see us live on Facebook or YouTube or whatever outlet that they're using, you know, that's, that's kind of the, uh, that's the easy part. Let's just be honest. That's the easy part. The hard part is getting your material together, getting the guests to agree to come on and having the topics to cover. Uh, you know, those guys are, are, are really heavy in the high school sport here in South Carolina. It needs to be, by the way. Not a lot of, not a lot of sports shows here focus on the idea of the high school forefront and, and what's going on with it, right? I mean, a lot of guys here, they'll touch on the high school, but then they get into college, and then they get into the pros. And somewhere between the beginning of that high school conversation and the end of the show, they've really only covered just a small smidgen of, of high school sports. And there's so much to get into. You know, I've heard guys before say that there's not a whole lot going on after football season. And to me, the season never really ends, more now than ever. Because of high school, you've got – You've got the beginning of the football season, of course, the kickoff, the pregame, a conversation that happens. You've got all those um, different uh, games that happen before the season. Jamborees, I guess, is what you'll call them. They go on and, and have their, their situation going on. And then that the season happens. Then the playoffs go on. And then the state championship is named. But after that, as you can tell, it does get very busy because the realignment of high school starts to become a conversation. And now – you're seeing it almost like you do in college. Kids are transferring from one high school to the next, and you're seeing these guys put on 
their Twitter handle, a complete transcript, if you will, uh, with the entire outline of a picture. And uh, thank you for everyone who's helped me at this high school. I'm taking my talents to this other high school. It is very awkward to me. It is very awkward. And I wonder from the high school league, how, how is there a line that they draw? I guess as long as they're – the only line they care about is that they live in the area that they're supposed to be in. That's, I guess that's kind of the conversation there. But uh, you know, that's, that's one of the many things that we talk about. Of course, then there's recruiting uh, that's happening to the college level. Let me, let, me, let me add that, to the college level. And that is something that's always been fun for us here at Southern Sports Central, to really watch these young men and women because, again, these ladies that are playing these sports, they're, they're, they're working as hard, even harder than some of the guys do, and uh, to see them achieve their goals. You know, we, we like to bring that out a lot of times. But what we are focused on this go-around, all right, in the 2023 season of Southern Sports Central is really educating, entertaining, with a little touch of sarcasm of high school and college sports, right? We want to get you involved in to the low country. We feel like the low country is kind of left out. We feel like this side of I-95, and we'll go all the way up to North Myrtle Beach, and we'll head all the way down there to Hilton Head, Beaufort, Bluffton, that area. We kind of get left out. I don't know what, what happens on 95, but it, it seems to kind of not make its way over towards the coastline. So we're definitely going to be loving on a lot of our guys here in the lower part of the state. We'll be in the middle. We'll head up to the upstate. But this is why, and again, we mentioned it last week, as uh, we had Dave Thomas, one of the guys from Moving the Chains, joined us last week. Today, we're going to be with Jarrell Hendricks. He's one of the other of the three guys that are part of that three-headed monster over there with Moving the Chains. Uh, but we've partnered up with these guys. They're out of the Greenville area. We're down here in Charleston. We'll cover the state, smother the state together to educate you guys and entertain you guys with the high school athletes that we will bring on the show. And we will ask these young men and women, you know, what, what are their goals? What do they want to be after the game of sports is over? Where do they want to go to college? And does that college have the majors that they need to be focused on? And then again, you know, just have a good old conversation with them about their time and their chapter that they're in. I mean, I think that's important. Also joining us today, and uh, again, at 1012, it's Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chains. At 1035, talk about a former high school athlete that I got a chance to cover from his days at Sumville High School, eighth grade, ninth grade, all the way to his 12th grade year as a Green Wave, catching passes like A.J. Green style passes. Very impressive back then. It was always, it was always Jonathan Bennett to Shaq Davis for six. Always the conversation. And, of course, Shaq ends up heading to South Carolina State. He plays for Buddy Pugh. As you guys also know, he also did what he needed to do a couple of years ago and beat Deion Sanders to win a national championship with the Bulldogs. And then last year had a standout year and ends up landing an opportunity to play in the NFL, a dream of his since he was quite the little athlete right here in Somerville. Now he's playing for the New Orleans Saints as a wide receiver and I love it. I think this young man is going to kill this interview today. I think he's going to do an amazing job telling his story about how he achieved things that he believed in from the time he was a little boy to the time he showed up down there in New Orleans to become a NFL football player. I think that's going to be a pretty good interview as well. And then we'll uh, head into hour number two at 11-12. We'll uh, check in with some of the guys over there with the Coaches Association, the South Carolina High School Coaches Association will jump in here with us, and it's actually going to be Coach Lee Taylor will join us. And this is going to be a fun one for me because I haven't had the chance to have one of these guys on the show with us. Because I'm always curious, what is the 
What is the dynamics? What is the mission, the vision of this coaches association? What was it formed for? What were they looking to accomplish by getting all of our South Carolina high school coaches together on the same page, on the same direction to achieve the same thing, right? And that's, that's big. But today you will hear from one of their own, and that is Coach Lee Taylor, who, of course, will join us to talk about that as well. So it's going to be a very good show today. Now, you can call in throughout today's show if you want to talk to one of the guests or you want to be a guest, right? We open up the lines for you. We got time for you. The number is 515-602-9675. That is the number to call in to check in with us here and to talk a little sports with us. Um, always, always a good time to hang out with us, talk high school sports, college sports really right now, kind of quiet a little bit. Uh, they did announce, as we mentioned last week, the uh, teams that moved from different uh, conferences. Uh, that has now been an official deal. July 1 made it an official deal. So you'll see, you know, teams like Liberty now, they're part of Conference USA. A couple of teams moved over to the Big 12. Uh, we saw some, I think some Pac-12 got some guys too. Uh, just a lot of shaking and baking there. But right now it's kind of, it's kind of stalemate. Of course, it is the quiet season, the dead period right now. What does that mean for you guys who don't know what a dead period is? That means there's no contact going on right now uh, with those Power 5 guys and these high school athletes. Uh, it's uh, kind of a I can't talk to you today, I'll talk to you tomorrow kind of thing. Uh, meanwhile, uh, you know, the camps have kind of slowed down a little bit. Power 5s kind of have wrapped up. If you ask me, they've probably wrapped up most of their what they're going to get out of that class 2024 class, which is going to be this class, the senior class coming up this year. So I would imagine, I would imagine that these kids now are trying to find out where do they play, where do they go. Uh, and, again, coaches, that is up to you. Uh, that is up to you to put your young athlete and direct your young athlete where he or she should go. Everybody wants to be power five. Everybody wants to play football at, at the University of Alabama or Michigan or Ohio State or Clemson or South Carolina, just name us some colleges here at the top. Uh, but not everybody, unfortunately, can make that, that roster that's a limited amount of athletes. But to me, if I'm not going to go somewhere to play, to sit there and watch it on the sideline, I might as well be in the stands. So I want to go where I can grow. I want to go where I can play. And that's where, of course, that hard conversation today makes it a better situation tomorrow. And that's when you tell these young athletes, look, I get it. You, hey, I'm not trying to say you shouldn't be a dreamer. But if you're trying to achieve your goal, you know, they draft guys out of, out, 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 of the, uh, out of college, period. And if you're good enough and you're doing your job, they're going to draft you wherever you are. And that doesn't matter what sport you play. They're going to come at you and they're going to find you and they're going to pick you up and bring you to wherever you need to be. I mean, Shaq Davis, a prime example. Our guy coming on in the middle of the show here, and I were number one, he is the prime example. If you're good, they'll find you. They'll come get you. Trust me, they're not going to let you sit at the bus stop and not put you on this bus to be part of their team. If they see what they need to see out of you, and trust me, with the world of social media now, it's so much easier. It truly is. It's so much easier for these coaches to find you. And that's the fun part about it now. You know, I remember back in the day when, when I was playing, you know, sports, especially football, you know, coaches, I remember, would have to go meet guys with these little VHS tapes, and, and they would have to swap them out. Now it's a push of a button. You hit send. And there it is. It's sitting there right in front of you. So we do have those three guests lined up today. We're excited about today. Now, today's going to be a two-hour show. If it gets rolling good, we can get into three. Not a big deal. That's the cool part about controlling the, 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 the board here. I get to kind of do it the way I want to do it and bring it in the way I want to bring it in. And uh, we'll do that 
here for the rest of the day. Now, coming up next is we're going to take a quick break. We will be joined by the one and only Mr. Jarrell Hendricks from Moving the Chains. He's going to come in here and hang out with us a little bit uh, and talk about what his vision is since he's joined uh, that group over there with Moving the Chains. And he's done some cool stuff over there, guys, when it comes down to his part of uh, of the pie there. He does a got to eat kind of thing. I've seen him in the stands getting the hot dog, getting a hamburger, getting a chicken wing, whatever it is that they're known for at that high school football field. I can promise you that young man is dissecting it, checking it out, and letting you know what he thinks of it and all as well. Guys, we're taking a break. We're coming back, and we're going to the lines. We're taking it up to Greenville. We'll be joined by Mr. Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chains right after this. Guys, don't go anywhere. Southern Sports Central. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back, everybody, and let's go ahead and bring him in in style as we do, the one and only Mr. Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chains. What's going on, Mr. Hendricks? How's life up in Greenville today, buddy? Man, everything's great. It's going to be a scorcher out here today, but uh, it should be fun. Really excited to talk to you guys about some high school football. I appreciate you having me on. Man, I tell you what, it's no doubt that we wanted to get you guys there. We talked to Dave last week, and I uh, talked to him over the week about you know, a lot of things that we want to work with you guys. We believe in what you guys are doing and watching what you guys have done the last couple of years, all the way down. And I talked about you last weekend, even though you weren't here, uh, your ears were probably burning, man, because I love the part yeah. that you do, right? Each one of you guys are kind of like superheroes. You guys bring something different to the table that make that brand the brand that it is, right? I mean, you do the, the you got to eat in the stands, right? I see you eating the hot dogs, the hamburgers, the chicken wings. It doesn't matter if it was potato salad. If that's what they're known for, <laughs> you're diving in. You're letting us know. Touch it. Don't touch it. Tell us a little bit about your vision, man. When you joined this thing, what was kind of your thing about uh, what you were going to bring to the uh, to that family over there at Moving the Chain? 
I've been friends with the, you know Kevin and John for a long time. They're really great guys. We met in college, and uh, they've been doing. They had started it uh, three years prior to me joining two years ago. Uh, kind of started off as a scoreboard show, but wanted to get into to more detail to you know shine a light on these kids in South Carolina, these coaches, these awesome programs. Uh, I really, I'm a football junkie. I like all three levels of football. Heck, I even watch some youth football from time to time. Uh, so I just, I love you know the schematics of the game, you know, the schemes, everything that's involved there, uh, seeing player development. Uh, as far as, like, the food thing, we're all ripping off Dave Portnoy. You know, those bars tool guys when to go to that. Um, I'm a big-time <laughs> foodie, so we kind of just started, you know, grabbing stuff from the concessions. We like to eat. You know, typically, you know, as you said, we're traveling from Greenville uh, to these locations, so we've got to have something to eat at the ball game. Started, you know, Kevin pulled out the camera. He's like, you got to rate it, you know. you got to tell me how good it is. Uh, so typically we stick with the hot dogs, you know, hot dogs are all about the chili. So that's the, the most important component. Uh, try to get you guys to know what, who's got the best chili, who's got the best hot dog in all these, these little towns. And man, it's a lot of fun. Uh, just try to contribute as much as possible. Uh, Kevin and John do a great job. Uh, they work so hard to, to get this thing going and uh, I'm just trying to do my part to keep it rolling. Hey, and I was the one and only Drill Hendricks. He's one of the members over at Moving the Chains, and he's moving it well as he brings in his part, that hot dog part, that chili part. Who won it last year, man? If you had to say, because you guys, man, y'all wait, y'all definitely, if y'all got paid by the mile, y'all have made some money last year. Y'all did a great <laughs> job uh, covering the state. But with that being said, who had the best chili last year? Who would have won that chili contest last, last year? Oh, last year. So I've officially been doing this for two. I'd have to go last year. Man, that's tough. But I'd have to go Saluda. Uh, we went to a thrilling game between Saluda and Strom Thurmond. It was the most exciting nine-point game I've ever seen. Uh, but those ladies down there in the concession stand were getting it done. Uh, we had some really good food, awesome environment. You know, I, the, the big guys always get the shine as far as football. Uh, but those, those 2A, 1A, small town, you know, that's the essence of high school football. And uh, they got it done in the concession stand as well as on the field, too. I say Saluda is a great spot too. Of course, we had uh, Will Porter used to be a guy. He went to Saluda. He was one. Uh, he was the producer here for a couple of years. He's another guy that was trying to get into the industry, and he actually does his own show. It's a NASCAR show, uh, but he was here, young guy, and it was the same time that they had just won a state championship. And this dude walked into the studio. He was purpled and white out because that's their that's the color over there. <laughs> the, the Tigers, I believe, right? And yeah, he, it was Christmas morning every morning ever since they won that state championship. But great people over there. I mean, they do some really good things. Uh, they believe in their football, like you mentioned. And for me, I'm 45, uh, Jarrell. So when I remember high school football, right, when I played and, and, and in my time of day, it was 2A football, 1A football. That was football across the whole state of South Carolina. You know, it was Friday night. We shut down the town. We load up the stadiums. Oh, yeah. You could smell the grills from miles away, right? I mean, that reminds me of Barnwell. I went to Barnwell a few years ago when they played and hosted uh, uh, Oceanside and a playoff game, and it, it was almost so surreal, almost like going back in time for me to see kids sitting on the fence line and standing on top of things because the packed house was just – it was just crazy. And Salute is that town. Abbeville is that town. Dillon is that town. You know, Dillon, they sit on a wall. <laughs> the kids sit on a wall uh, yeah. on the backside of the end zone, and uh, there's just so many traditions there that you kind of miss. What is the – we talk about traditions. Now that you've been around a little bit, uh, Darrell, and you've seen certain things, what are one of the traditional things that you say they won it last year? All right, we've rated the best hot dog. Saluda, congratulations, you get that check mark. 
Who would be the best tradition that you saw last year in your trip around the state of South Carolina? Oh, man, you put me on the spot there. There's just so many because, we, <laughs> you know, we, we, we went from five to one. I mean, sure. you know, there's something – you know, that's the cool thing. Is everything – every town's unique. Um, you know, we talked about the small towns in one and two A. Uh, but I guess, like, you know, some of the best, the best environment, even in a five A setting – Going to Gaffney, I know they got right. rid of the old reservation. They got this new mecca that they've built. Uh, but you talk about, I, you know, we're talking about shutting down the town. I mean, they shut down the county when they played Dutch Fork in that upper state championship game of 5A. Um, you know, going to Barnwell last year, like you said, that's a that's a crazy great environment. Um, Saluda was the same thing. <clears throat> you know, a lot of their stuff is patterned after Clemson. Uh, you know, Edgefield County, Saluda County, you got a lot of, you know, Clemson ties there. Uh, we even saw Strom Thurmond <laughs> come over. So you had two towns that shut down um, for that particular game. Uh, but you just see some really, you know, cool stuff. You just see these families, these communities just completely buying into this brand of football. And, uh, you know, that's what we're trying to do at Moving the Change. You know, just shine a light. You know, everybody from Georgia to Florida, California, Texas, they talk about how great their football is. Uh, but we play some awesome football here in the Palmetto State, and there's some really great players, coaches, and some really great programs that, that do some really awesome stuff. Hey, and I with the one and only Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Change, talking about high school football here in the great state of South Carolina. Palmetto State Ballers is a hashtag that I've always kind of put out there the last couple of years, and hopefully it catches some fire there. And, of course, whatever sport you're talking about, you put that little mark behind it. But, you know, the one thing that I like about Gaffney, number one, is Little John University. I mean, they have a Little John on that <laughs> roster, whether it's a coach or a player, every year. They've had it since my days. And those are grown yeah. men before I even saw a grown man on a football field. I mean, that's uh, a place that I went uh, during my time of playing. And I remember seeing – it's the first time I've seen guys with beards coming out of their helmet. I felt like we were playing <laughs> against somebody out of the Big Ten. It was very intimidating. The atmosphere was incredible. Um, and definitely a Friday Night Lights deal. And I agree with you. I think South Carolina, by the way, per capita, we put just as many dudes in the NFL as anybody, per capita, right? We're not the biggest state, yeah, but we are one of the strongest states athletically in all sports, not just football, basketball, baseball. I mean, we're, we're, we're a very athletic state that gets very little bit of respect, uh, like Roddy Dangerfield would say. Uh, and for us, guys like you and I and, and your buddy Kevin and John, you know, our family of fun, what we do, this is our job. You know, educate, entertain, bring out these high school athletes and let these individuals hear them. Let them, because you can watch film, you can see a lot of things, but to listen to this young man or young woman on this radio show or see him on y'all's show, it, it really lightens up the conversation because you see a different side of them. And I love when I hear you interview a kid on the field. I love it. That was my brand in 2008 when I kicked off this Southern Sports Central vision and made it a reality. That was my thing. I said, look, I love talking to people on the radio. I would love to have little Billy Bob in the drinking Budweiser in the garage calling this show, <laughs> but he really doesn't do anything but give yeah. me his opinion. And I appreciate it, but I want facts. I want to hear from the guy that's putting his, his blood on the football field and his hands in the sand and doing what he needs to do to get it done. And that's what you guys do. That's what we do. And that's why we're seeing our athletes coming out a little bit more prepared on different fronts. Because it's just as important for our athletes, when you look at it, Jarrell, for them to know how to speak, to how to interview, to how to talk to these coaches and or a job interview because they're going to either go to their job when they graduate or they're going to go to college and play sports. Yeah. Hopefully they get to chase whatever dream they want, correct? 
Yeah, for sure. And they do a great job. I mean, these athletic departments and these coaches, they do a great job of preparing the players. Uh, you know, we're running on, you know, the field after the games with, with uh, you know, there's there's various radio stations, uh, there's various TV stations after the game, and, and they're polished. They know, they know what to say. Uh, they say the right things. And that's one of the biggest things that I've been most impressed about uh, since I started working at Moving the Change is, you know, just how – impressed these kids are man one of the ones that struck me the most you know i got to interview um carmella mcdaniel who's running back for hartsville um i mean this kid's five seven 160 pounds choking soaking wet and uh you know he's crying when they win a game against camden they went up to camden that's one of the oldest rivalries in the state i mean it was just a back and forth football game and you know this kid i mean he he had laid it all out on the line for his team and, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got tears rolling down his face because it means that much to him, you know, that Hartsville program. You know, he's probably grown up wanting to play there, uh, just so passionate. And you just see it all the time. And then you, you see the other guys, you know, they're getting ready for college. And, you know, even the ones that aren't, you know, like they're just ready to go. Um, these coaches are doing an outstanding job of, of turning these, these young boys into young men. And uh, just kudos to, to all the programs and the coaches preparing these young men for the next steps in life. And I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. You're preparing these young men to be – these young boys to be men, that's the, that's the fact there. That's what they're doing. They're building the character of a man today for what he's going to be tomorrow. And, and I love exactly your, – your outlook on what you're doing, man, this is why that show over there works. That's why this show over there that you guys put together is such a five-star group of guys putting a five-star product on, on paper and on, of course, on the video with you guys because you guys are more of a visual guy. Right, you guys, y'all like to do the yeah. the uh, what is it the uh, you know the the YouTube and the Facebook and stuff like that. I'm the radio guy over here that says to myself, look, I mean, you know, I'm not the best looking guy, so let you know, I got a good face for radio, so let me let me just turn on a microphone and, and do what I'm normally used to doing. But what you guys yeah. bring to the table, a whole different avenue. Now, when you guys go to these stadiums, how much fun have you had? And I had this conversation with Dave last week. How much fun do you have? getting to know this athletic director because, of course, we don't just show up. We reach out. We say, hey, look, we're coming to your town. We're going to interview your coaches. We just need to know the right procedure. So you get to know the athletic director. Of course, at that time, you've broken a little bit of ground with some coaches. And then you start researching some of these players because you got to know which player to go after, right? You need to know who is that one, two, three guy yeah. that you're going to need to keep an eye on the football field. Yeah, I heard you talk with Kevin last year and uh, last week, excuse me, and that's the big thing for it is, like, it's the preparation more than anything. You know, people see, you know, us doing the, you know, silly stuff with the hot dogs in the stands or, you know, also the finished product of the the interviews and, and, and all the content that we try to put out from the graphics to, to everything. Uh, like you said, we're big social media. That's just how we were able to get started, you know, with grassroots not having any money. Um, you know, it, it's hard to, to get into that traditional media because, you know, we have, you know, full-time jobs. This is, this is something that we, we do on the side. Um, you know, so that was the easiest avenue to use social media and, you know, to expand our reach and to try to gain a following to shine a light on these players. Um, but some of the, you know, the funnest things is just, you know, interacting with, with the communities. Like I'm a big people person. And so, you know, you get in those stands and, you know, we finally got to the point where we've got branded gear and I'll be like, Hey, who are you guys? You know, we're moving the chains and, you know, uh, you mentioned Abbeville, you know, just talking to a young lady there last year, you know, she's getting our information to follow us on Facebook or we made some great relationships. We actually, that Saluda game, 
we sat on the Strom Thurmond side of the, the field, and they're like, you know, who are you guys? You know, we've developed a, a relationship with the Edgeville County Touchdown Club, you know, and then developing the relationships with the ADs, the coaches through our interviews. You know, we're doing a series right now with the new coaches. Uh, we try to do in-season stuff as well, interviewing them after the game. You know, they don't have to give us access, but they always do. And we're so grateful for that because without the access, as you know, in media, you don't have anything. Uh, and then getting to watch the players, man. It's really cool to see the evolution, watch them, you know, progress through their high school careers and into college. Um, and then those next steps, like you said, being men, it's just a lot of fun. It's been a lot, you know, very satisfying, um, this job. Uh, you know, just doing these things continuously, building those relationships. Uh, and like you said, Palmetto State Ballers, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. It is. And I'd like to encourage everybody, if you're going to tweet about South Carolina athletes, and it could be athletes in college as well because they do represent the great state of South Carolina, hashtag it. Hashtag Palmetto State Ballers. It is hopefully going to get trendy. Get, get, you know, that way it's easier to find our kids, and we can kind of – hang in and hang out with them that way. Before I get you out of here, a couple of other things I want to touch base with you. The 2023 season is almost here. This is the last month without high school football, right? We know we go into August. We're going to have a yeah. lot of those uh, jamborees that will start kicking off. I'm not a big jamboree guy myself, but I get it. And these kids need to hit somebody other than themselves, and uh, that's just the way it is. However, the season is coming up, and, the, and, and it's kind of a weird deal. 5A, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody just the other day, and Dutch Fort wins their region, they're going to be in the lower state. If they don't win their region, they'll be in the upper state because of where they are in Columbia. This seed and that yeah. seed depends on what seed they are. They'll go up or down. Kind of a weird deal to me. Uh, but, again, I know last year, I know the lower state appreciated them being the upper state, gave a, a couple of teams down here to have a little bit of breathing room uh, because, again, Coach Knight does an incredible job continuing. I don't like to say reloading, but continuing to win over there at Dutch Fort. Yeah. When you look at the 5A, the 4A, all the way down to 1A, what is your thoughts on who do you think is the big dog in each yard to catch this year? And uh, how do you think this year kind of plans out comparatively to last year? I mean, obviously starting at, at 5A, you got to say Dutch Fork, you know, until they get proven otherwise. I know they lost two years ago to the really talented Gaffney team, uh, but you, you just got to respect what Coach Knotts is doing there at Dutch Fork. They're just – the, I would say the premier program in South Carolina right now, and I don't think anybody would be upset about that. Uh, but there's some, some really interesting things. You know, you've got Dorman up here as well. See how they respond with the new coach. Um, speaking of new coach, Dustin Curtis leaving there and going to Lexington. Uh, you got Perry Woolbright going to Clover. See what they can do in particularly. Uh, really excited to see maybe in lower state what can happen there. Uh, I know that's your area down in Charleston. How good is that Somerville right. team? They they really, like, towards the end of the year, they caught fire, and they were playing some outstanding football. And how will Fort Dorchester respond, you know, after all the adversity that they face this offseason? Uh, will they continue to be that premier program in the lower state, or, or will you have something else? Sumter, you know, they're going to be tough um, each and every year with that, that defense that they have. Um, and then in 4A, uh, the big one, you, you look at Greenville up here, they continually just attract talent. They've got one of the most talented players, Amazio Bennett, got Blake Franks, uh, both of those guys going to South Carolina. Can they get over the hump? Uh, you know, always got to worry about that Rock Hill region with Northwestern and South Point, uh, just seeing how good they are. An interesting storyline, you know, South Florence. Um, I, you know, we interviewed Coach Marlowe after they won the state championship just to see, you know, 
after losing Lenore Sellers, what are they going to do? You know, last year they kind of hung their hat. People don't realize that that defense was salty. Uh, they were one of the best defenses in the state. Uh, but how will they respond next year, South Florence? I know they've had some quality transfers coming to that program, including Amari Adams from Lake City. Um, will they continue to be good? Um, that's one of my favorite regions, that region six and four A um, with West Florence. And then you, you, your Charleston area schools, man, Lucy Beckham talk about defense coach Smith there. That's done a phenomenal job in his first year and James Island with coach McCoy, you know, they are, they've got some athletes all over the place. Uh, so that should be exciting. And then moving to three, a we'll start in the lower state with Buford, obviously one of the state championship coach Librand, one of the best in the state, you know, how good are they going to be? Uh, again, this year, they lost some, some very valuable pieces. Dylan, the big dog, um, as always. Um, how good are they going to be this year? They've got some young talent. That, that young quarterback is growing up. Um, you know, they're going to be good in the trenches as well, and they always have athletes. Um, and then the upper state, who can challenge? Um, Powdersville going to take a step back. Is Clinton going to take a step back? Is there going to be somebody new that emerges? And then how will Daniel respond after that, that, that tight game that they lost in the playoffs? Uh, and then moving to two-way, and this is the greatest storyline. I know you guys talked about it last year. Charter schools, great collegiate. Are they going to be able to play a region game? Uh, you know, are they going to be able to do anything there? You've got, uh, you know, Barnwell got new coaches. That Woodland team's got some studs. Uh, just so much talent in two-way, and, and it's, it's very um, – it's very competitive in those regions. And then 1A, got to keep your eye always on the private schools in the Greenville County area with Southside Christian, St. Joe's, and Christ Church. Um, they've got a plethora of talent. And then you go lower state, obviously. The first thing you want to talk about is Lamar. Um, how good are they going to be? Uh, you know, Estill had a really great season last year. Johnsonville, they had a great season going to the state championship. But there's just so many great teams. I don't know that one in particular sticks out. That's the beauty of high school football. You're recycling talent each and every year. You do have those familiar names up top, but it's just going to be really competitive. And uh, I talked to Kevin this week, man. We're we're less than six weeks away from toe meat and leather, you know, and it's going to be a lot Mm. of fun. Six weeks. Man, I tell you what, that's uh, music to a lot of ears and definitely ears here. As we're hanging up and wrapping up here with Jarrell Hendricks, he is with the guys over at Moving the Chains and done his homework. Man, I tell you what, you might be really ready for this radio stuff, dude, because I got to tell you, you drilled every school from top to bottom, and I would almost think, well, maybe he forgot, and you would slam the door on that one, and then that one, and that (laughs) one. And then, of course, the biggest conversation that we all have is, what are we going to do? What is the high school league going to do with these charter schools? And it's hard because here's what's happening. Yes. The, 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 the conversation about the, the ocean sides and the, 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 the other schools around the area, right, uh, that, are, that are around the state of South Carolina that are playing Christ Church as a team that constantly gets attention. Uh, and then the, the school there in, in Columbia that you constantly hear about. But now, you know, James Island's a charter school. Uh, there's other schools that are, that are, that are applying for charter uh, acceptance or, or what have you that allows them to take kids out of their county. And, and again, so – they're, they're really, honestly, they're no different than these other charter schools. It's just a really weird yeah. area, and I don't really know if they're ever going to get their arms wrapped around it because there are so many other schools right now that are charter schools that just don't be – they're not under that, that other conversation 
with the schools that we've already mentioned. Yeah, I think, Ricky, like people tend to highlight, you know, great collegiate Oceanside as well because they're playing two-way ball and right. then they're winning a lot of state championships, you know, because they have those enrollment caps with their particular charters. Um, I think that's the biggest point of contention and, and people don't like it. You know, for us, you know, they're not doing anything outside of the rules. I mean, they're following the guidelines that are set with the high school league. And unless the high school league and the state legislator want to do something differently, I don't know how you penalize those teams. Now, I do understand the perspective of, you know, Fairfield Central and those people in that region. Uh, You know, these 2A, 1A locations, they're losing population. You know, obviously people are moving to these metro areas, um, and they're, you know, these smaller towns are becoming even smaller. So they are at a disadvantage, uh, but it's hard to penalize the charter schools if they're operating within the rules. Um, it's going to be interesting, um, like I said earlier, to see what they do in that 2A region um, in the upper state with Gray Collegiate to see if those teams actually, you know, I, I know the schedules came out, they put to be determined against all the Gray Collegiate teams and, you know, put, put asterisks beside that date on the schedule if they're actually going to play those teams. I don't know. So, I mean, it looks like they're trying to, you know, go within, you know, their limits to see what they can do to, to try to fix this situation. Uh, but we have great relationships with the coaches and the, and the athletic departments there at the, the charters. Um, they do a fantastic job. Uh, more importantly, they do a great job academically getting these kids ready. I remember two years ago you had Casey Adams who rushed for 3,000 yards. And he had like he was like a sophomore, almost a junior in college by the time he went to Georgia State, because he had done so much academically. So um, don't really know what's going to happen. We'll see this new reclass um, after this season. See what happens there, and uh, hopefully they come up with a solution. Yeah, we're with you guys on that too. You know, they're following the rules. Uh, you know, Coach Holmes over at, at Gray, and, and the coach over at Oceanside. Yeah. You know, they're they're within the rules. They're within the regulations. So you know, look. Don't hate the player, hit the game, if you will. <laughs> That's the way it works. Yeah. But for me, the big picture is they're getting the job done. Do I feel like they should probably play up? Yeah, I do. How does that work? I don't know. No. Because that's not the rules that are set in front of them. The rules say, and by the way, Gray and Oceanside, nor does Christ Church, they, they don't get to pick which division they want to play in. They don't get to pick one through five, and they say, we'll go two. Because I can promise you, I was a part of the family over at Oceanside for a, for a season with Coach Call. And those kids don't want to play the 2A or the 3A. They want to play the 4 and the 5A. They want to go against the better teams, the bigger teams, the teams that they feel like they can get a competition. Not that, again, I mean, Abbeville lets you know real quick, listen, <laughs> we can play ball down in the 2A as well. You saw that in the state championship, right? Uh, but oh, yeah. you also say great. Great didn't have the season that great normally would have had in the past. They kind of had a rebuilding year. I can promise Coach Holmes he'll figure that out. They'll have their team back up and running this year. And then, Christ Church is in a whole different deal. I don't know much about those guys. They're in your backyard. But I can promise you yep. that uh, whatever they're doing is working, and it's upsetting a lot of people. So, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, you know, championships and trophies come, you know, uh, side by side, it seems like, when it comes to Christ Church. And Gray has their season. And Oceanside it continues to win trophies as well outside of the football conversation. So I do want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, Jarrell, I want to get you in here at least once a month. We'll kind of rotate the three of you guys uh, every weekend. That way you guys don't have to spend a, an hour or 30 minutes with me here on the show because I want to hear your side of things as we get deeper into the season, as you guys are going to places, uh, because you guys are seeing different things and you're going through different things. And, of course, your opinions are going to be a lot different 
And, again, you're going to help us cover and smother the state as well. Well, Richie, I appreciate the opportunity to come on and, you know, shine a light on, on our, our program and what we do and, you know, helping you guys. You know, I like this collaborative effort, uh, you know, kind of stepping in for Kevin this week. But uh, I'm all for rotating. Anytime you need me to come on and, and help you and, and Anytime I get an opportunity to talk about high school football in the state of South Carolina, I'm not going to pass that up. So I appreciate what you do, and I appreciate you letting me, you know, spend some time on this Saturday morning talking about football. I'm just excited, man. Six weeks away, uh, start driving, you know, eating some hot dogs and watching some some great (laughs) football in the Palmetto State. It's going to be a good time. Jarrell, thank you so much for taking time away from your family to hang out with our family here today. We welcome you. You can go ahead and take off your rookie stripe here today. You got your seat over here in the corner. You can hang out with us, man. Come in anytime. And, again, you don't have to be invited. Your family, you want to get in here, you hear that we're live, please call in, jump in, hang out with us. And then you and I will catch up off the air as well because I'd like to catch up with you and kind of talk a little bit of shop with you as well, buddy. But thank you again. We look forward to working together this year to help uh, cover our state, like I say, smother our state with our athletes. And, uh, again, have a great Saturday. Enjoy it. Stay cool. Stay hydrated. Until next time, have a good weekend, buddy. Thanks, Richie. Y'all enjoy the rest of the show, guys, and uh, I really appreciate it. Real quick, man. Real quick before we get you out here, Jarrell, I want to give you a chance. chance. Tell the listeners, how can they find you on social media? How can they find uh, your, your show, and how do they get connected with you guys over there on the World Wide Web? Yeah, uh, moving chains, um, no G. Um, on all social media platforms. I think we even got a Threads account this week, so just be sure to follow us on all of those those platforms. Um, we do podcasts, all of our shows, our podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. Um, go follow our YouTube channel, and then go check out our website, www.movingchains.com. That's Moving Chains with no G. Um, go check that out. We put all of our content on our website as well. Got some really stuff, great stuff coming out. We're wrapping up our new coaches series, um, so go check that out. Uh, we'll start to get into some season preview stuff within the next couple of weeks, uh, but always putting out new content. Uh, but the easiest way is, is to get plugged in is our website and then all of our socials. All right, buddy. Enjoy. Thanks again. Appreciate you. And until next time, stay safe, buddy. Thanks, Richie. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen, wrapping up our first interview of the day on the red carpet. We welcome in, and, of course, glad to have him with is the one and only Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chain. Of course, you want to check those guys out. They do an incredible job. Kevin, John, and Jarrell are an incredible uh, three-headed monster when it comes to covering our state. Guys, got to go to break. He is on the line and ready to roll. The one, the only, Mr. Shaq Davis. He has made his way from Somerville, South Carolina all the way to South Carolina State, to now he's an NFL football player, guys. Don't go anywhere. We'll be live with Shaq right after this, guys. There is nothing more intoxicating than the meld of emotions and sensations that is Friday night. Friday night is the sound of that crowd, the pride of that community, the way that that grass smells. I've never felt in my adult life the way that I felt on Friday nights. That's what those kids are playing for. They're playing for that emotion. They're playing for that brotherhood and all of that sensory input that comes from Friday night. That's why they're playing high school football in this country. It is this common thread that weaves through the American fabric. Whether you live in Compton, California, or you live in Appalachia, 
if you played the game at the high school level, you have this common bond of representing that community. Anyone who disparages where the game is based on myriad reasons, I'm not buying it. I'm around the game every day on these campuses. I see the impact it has on these young men. I see the way that these coaches are able to grow high school boys into NFL or professional men, and it's just beautiful. Now, back to Southern Sports Central. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central. Welcome back, everybody. Southern Sports Central live here in Charleston, South Carolina. The Palmetto State bringing one of their own with us right now, the one and only Shaq Davis. He is an NFL football player for the New Orleans Saints. I remember this young man. He's never been a small guy. He's always been a tall guy. But in his days at Somerville, you just knew when this kid walked on the football field, he was going to not only be an outstanding athlete, he was going to be a five-star young man in Shaq. Of course, uh, I had the pleasure of getting to know him from his freshman days to the day he finally graduated at Somerville, caught a ton of passes inside and outside the end zone, but left his legacy as he continued to carry it to South Carolina State, getting to play for Buddy Pugh and doing what he did there, winning a national championship with the Bulldogs, and now sees his talents hanging out in New Orleans with the Saints. The one and only Shaq Davis with us now live. Shaq, what's up, buddy? Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good, buddy. Glad to have you with us, man. That's just one of the many things that God continues to bless you with. And I'm going to go ahead and skip forward a little bit and tell you congratulations on being a part of the uh, the father fraternity, my man. You had a little boy a couple weeks ago, and uh, I know being able to play in the NFL is a big thing, man, but becoming a father is a, is a big thing. How, how exciting are you? And I know Mama's got to be excited about this grandbaby being around. <laughs> yes, sir. It's, um, it's been a blessing, you know, uh, just bringing a, another one of me into the world, you know, just to love them, raise them, just show them how life works. I can tell you it's a different type of love, Shaq. You actually know my kids. Uh, you, you've got to know Jacob, of course, graduated uh, a couple of years after you over there at Somerville. Riley, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Riley actually is your age, my oldest daughter. Um, but when mm-hmm. you start to kind of look at being a father, man, you see it's just a different type of love, man. I know you, you had to fly into town. Uh, and, and probably had to be the longest flight ever because you knew where you were going and you knew what was about to happen. Uh, tell me about those emotions, man. What was it like going into the hospital, man? You know this little guy's on the way, and, man, you're walking out a completely different man than you walked in. <laughs> it, was, it was just uh, it was mixed emotions. I was like, dang. But, like, uh, when I was flying from New Orleans, um, as soon as I got on the plane, she called me. She was like, my water broke. I was like, oh, man, I'm just getting on a plane because I had to leave from New Orleans and fly into Charlotte and I had a layover for, like, two hours in Charlotte. So as soon as I – uh, yeah, <laughs> so I got to Charlotte Airport. I'm sitting there. I kept texting. I was like, uh, what's happening? Like, give me updates, updates. She's like, all right, we're good, we're good. We should have them by the time you get here. 
So soon as I got to the hospital, like 45 minutes later, she started contracting more, and then she got dilated 10 centimeters, and then she had the baby at 2.22 that morning. Yeah, and that's the fun part. I remember I was at, at an event uh, the next night, I believe, because he came that morning, and the next night you were still over uh, out of town with with the mom and the baby, and uh, I was with some of your former teammates and classmates, and, of course, mm-hmm. uh, the excitement of Shaq Davis has been through this town through forever. But I'm going to tell you, man, I was just <laughs> as excited about hearing that this little guy came into the world, and you were now becoming a father, man, as I was the day that I heard uh, that you were heading to New Orleans, the place of the Saints, man. I tell you, it's 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 a huge thing uh, that you look back at, man. You remember where you were when she called you mm-hmm. that first time. You'll remember that as much as you'll remember that feeling, that emotion that you had uh, when that little guy uh, joined you and her and you guys started taking, I'm sure, a few photos in the hospital room. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So when you look at it, when you look at everything now, here you go, Shaq. Let's let's move forward and uh, kind of get everybody up to date. Now you played your days here at Somerville. Uh, you know this is a football mm-hmm. town. Uh, you, you got a chance to hang around and be a part of a legacy coach uh, in high school with Coach John McKissick. You know the most winningest football coach in the country. And then you go to Buddy Pugh, another legendary coach, man. So you've been surrounded by great coaches. But before you left Somerville, you got to play for a guy named Joe Call. You you and I know very well who I know. Uh, you know, treated you, you know, like his own. Sometimes that was good, sometimes mm-hmm. that was bad, but he still treated you the same. With that being said, tell us a little bit about your experience at Somerville, a town that you and I both know that is a Friday Night Lights football town that, of course, uh, we, we put a lot of talent out of this town from high school mm-hmm. to college, and even now as you join that conversation within the pros. Um, It's just, you know, uh, just coming in after the guys that paved the way for us, you know, coming out of Somerville, like uh, – AJ Green, um, you know, that's the biggest one that came out, uh, you know, just especially me playing a receiver too. So seeing what he did and how he carried himself and the work he put in and just uh, having coaches like Coach Call, who was around AJ, you know, who was a uh, tough love, you know, but Coach Call is a great guy. He's one that, if he's hard on you, that means he sees potential. That's all I'm going to say. So, you know, him being hard on me showed that he really cared. He saw something to me that uh, everybody else didn't. So just him pushing me and me just gradually getting better each and every year. As you started to get better every year, Shaq, and again, I, I can tell you, and I've had this conversation with so many people, I, you know, I went over and watched you play at South Carolina State. You guys played Bethune-Cookman. I went up there for that game, and then I was able to catch another game uh, at, at Bethune, well, excuse me, when you guys were playing another team uh, a few weeks later. But just to see your mannerisms and things that you were kind of taught here at Somerville, you, you were used to being in the light, right? Because Somerville, if, if you didn't win a state championship in this town, then, then people kind of looked at you differently because the state championship was always the goal. And anything short of that, we felt like we missed the goal because at that time I was part of that team over there with you guys as well doing the radio broadcast. But you were surrounded by a lot of other great athletes who I believe that you were able to kind of feed off of and kind of feed on to as well. Tell me about the experience as far as being an athlete with the teammate and the atmosphere and just that feeling that you walked into that stadium on Friday nights that you know back in your day, man, you used to walk over there and you was like, I'm going to be on that football field. I'm going to be scoring touchdowns in that end zone one time. Tell me a little bit about what that felt like to finally be able to wear that S on your chest and to get that, that, that S on your helmet that first time after, after the practices were all said and done and the season was about to start. Um. You know, the S's are earned, they're not given. So if you got one, you obviously put in the work for it. Um, just uh 
making the most of my opportunities. You know, uh, you don't know how long you end up playing or or if you're going to make it to the next level. So just going out there, making plays, uh, you know, just making the most of your opportunities, um, especially in this town because Somerville is, a, like you said, a high-tradition football school. And just having the opportunity to just be a part of that uh, legacy is just great. Hanging out with the New Orleans Saints wide receiver, Shaq Davis. Of course, played his high school days right here at Somerville for the Green Wave. Now, the quarterback that you had here at Somerville, pretty good little quarterback now. He's over at Liberty. I mean, yes, have you guys share a lot of conversations? I know you guys used to work out a lot in the summertime. Y'all would come back, and I'd see you over there at the high school. You and a couple of other guys doing some things over there. Uh, you see Jonathan having some great success at Liberty, man. I know he had to reach out to you when, when he found out that you had made it to the NFL, man. How much conversations have you guys had since you've taken that step, checked that box, and now become an NFL football player? All, all of us still talk to this day, you know, like me, uh, Andre Banks, Dino, like all of us, we, we have group chat, so we, we stay in touch a lot. Uh, it's just once you grow up like certain people and everything is genuine, you always want to uh, stay keep in touch with them. So we build a bond, and, you know, it's just it's been nothing but love and, and uh, honesty since day one with those guys. So it's just we talk every day. <laughs> Now, you came out of Somerville highly recruited. I mean, your size, you are the the picture-perfect wide receiver that any Power 5 college would want. But for whatever, whatever, however, it landed you in the bird, Orangeburg, South Carolina. South Carolina State picks you up. Coach Buddy Pugh did what he needed to do, but he had a guy on his roster of coaches, and Bennett Swagger, who Bennett, of course, also was a quarterback here at Somerville. How great was mm-hmm. that for you to have a guy – take care of you, to look after you, that was from home, that understood Shaq Davis, knew Shaq Davis for many reasons because he knew all of your coaches. He played for most of your coaches, same like you. How cool was it for you, and, and how much did that play a part to why you decided South Carolina State and not the University of South Carolina or Clemson or in Alabama? Uh, it, it, he, me and him could relate a lot, you know, because he always brings up, like, areas over here. I'm like, dang, how you know that? And he was like, oh, I'm from that area. I was like, oh, for real? So it's just like he can understand me. Like he relates, he understands what goes on around here and um, how everything operates around here. So it just felt like home with him there. You know, he brought me in under his wing. You know, uh, it was just it was just great, especially since he played at Somerville. You know, we're from the same area, uh, grew up in the same area practically. He knows a lot of people that I know, like older guys that I played basketball with around the neighborhood and everything like that. So it's just. Uh, him having mutual conversation with people that I know just made me feel more comfortable to uh, go to South Carolina State. Now, you land on the campus in Orangeburg. Here you go, Shaq Davis. I'm sure you, you pretty stood out pretty tall there. Your, your, your fatigue is, is built, uh, as you would see any Power 5 receiver. You go in there, and there's a lot of Charlestonian uh, pieces and parts there. There's a lot of low country athletes, like your quarterback was from the Charleston area, if I'm not mistaken, when you got there. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how much did that play a part when you got a chance to meet some of those athletes. You're picking your colleges, and, I'm, and I want you to kind of speak and let these young athletes that are listening, because right now this is the season that they're trying to find out where do they want to play the next three or four years of their college. What made South Carolina State be your hometown for the next three years? Why did you choose South Carolina State over the colleges that were coming after you? Um, South Carolina State really took a chance with me, you know, because my grade situation coming out of high school wasn't the best. So, like, a lot of schools start to fall back 
and Coach uh, Johnson Saxon, he reached out to me. I was a defensive coordinator at the time. He reached out to me, and he was like, this is what we're going to do. He said, we know your grade situation. And he was like, we're still going to take a chance with you. We know you can play. We know you just didn't apply yourself in school. I'm really smart. And he's like, we're just going to take a chance with you. You just got to come in your first year, if the grade's right, and then we'll go from there. So when I got there in 2018, the whole year, I just stayed in my room. I did not go out. The only time I went out was give me something to eat. I was locked in my room, getting all my schoolwork done. I finished with all A's and B's. And then once I got eligible, I just kept applying that pressure to the schoolwork so I can do what I uh, love to do, which is play football. Now, of course, when you made it to that football field, your highlights continue to roll just like they did down in Somerville. They just carried all the way up there to Orangeburg. You're making catches coming from around the backside, almost twisting up like a pretzel. I see you catching some of them, laying all the way out and on your fingertips. I mean, to us in Somerville, it's just another typical day for Shaq. For those who never got a chance to know you, thought to myself, well, where has this cat been hanging out and hiding out? And Of course, we knew where you were. Now you're starting to make yourself known. You're, you're making some highlight reels. When did it become real to you that, okay, you got this next level. You've now accomplished what you needed to. What started, I guess, was your vision. When did it click that I know I can play in the NFL? This is what I need to do. Um, after the celebration ball, uh, and actually at football practice, you know, uh, competing with Kobe Durant, who got drafted by the Rams in the fourth round last season, uh, going up against him every day, you know, getting me better, and then he prepared me. Because, you know, he got drafted in the fourth round, so it speaks a lot for that. Uh, and then just going out and making plays in games based off of that. But, yeah, after the Celebration Bowl, that's when it really hit me. Let's talk Celebration Bowl. You guys who don't know, of course, it's the HBCU National Championship game. You guys going against mm-hmm. this guy, no prime time. Did you did you practice the, the, the Dion dance before the game, or did you just kind of knew it when you got in the end zone? Because, man, you had basically perfected that dance. At the end of that game, everybody was talking about you. You were the highlight reel on ESPN, which is the coolest thing for a guy like me that covered you in high school. To see you doing it on ESPN there on a Friday night highlight uh, is one thing. But to see you on uh, top plays, I thought, man, how fitting was it, man? Tell me a little bit about that experience and that game. And then tell me a little bit about that Dion dance and how that kind of transpired. <laughs> the Dion dance wasn't planned. I went on Instagram Live. Like, a couple of days before the game, you know, I was just throwing everybody the city, and I was reading the comments, and then somebody was like, whoever scores first touchdown, I got to do the Dion dance. So I was like, all right, we can do that. So when I caught it, the slant, I fell, and I got up. And I was like, all right, I scored. I'm in the end zone. So I was like, I'm going to go ahead and do the Dion dance. But that that experience was amazing. You know, coming in, playing at HBCU level, uh, we really didn't have that many fans. So us going to play in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and it have like almost 60,000, 55,000, I forgot what was the exact number, uh, like 50,000 fans and playing on ABC at noon, you know, national TV. We were the only game on at the time. So it was just all eyes on us. You know, that was the perfect spotlight for anybody could have went off. That was the perfect spotlight for any one of us HBCU guys to go off and it just happened to be my time. Bringing out with Shaq Davis, former Somerville High School wide receiver, standout, big-time South Carolina State wide receiver, and current 
wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. Join us here live on Southern Sports Central. Been uh, many years since we've had him in here. He was a high school athlete back in the time that he joined us back then, and here he is now as a grown man, a father, uh, two weeks in. Congratulations on that forefront, and now, of course, on an NFL roster as well. All of those big things and achieving it daily, day by day by day. Now, let's stay in the HBCU conversation, Shaq. As you know, um, I'm a big supporter of HBCUs. I think the opportunities that HBCUs are there, a lot of people aren't aware of of the family uh, atmosphere. It's to me, and again, I didn't go to an HBCU. However, I've been very fortunate enough to be on a lot of campuses. I've talked to a lot of former athletes, current athletes on the campus, and it's a family that continues to love you after you graduate. You know, when you're on that campus in South Carolina State, one of those many campuses that there's just so much more that you learn when you get on the campus. And I learned it when I was there with you that day when I came and watched you guys play Bethune-Cookman. I took a trip around the campus, talked to a couple of professors and some administrators there on campus, and just the passion, the energy, the love that they have for you guys. Your athletics uh, is big, but your academics is bigger. Tell me about the experience of being an HBCU that you would encourage any athlete, doesn't matter where you come from or, or, or what you do, why should you choose an HBCU over, let's say, a Power Five like a South Carolina or a Clemson? Um, I wouldn't try to, like, persuade nobody to go to HBCU. It's just if if you feel like it's the perfect fit for you, go. Like, my the way I look at, uh, like, college recruiting, everything like that, a lot of guys go to schools just because of the name. You should want to go somewhere where you can immediately make an impact. You know, a lot of guys go to bigger schools, and they probably won't play until their third or fourth year in, and you, you really don't have enough time to get your stats up in two, two, one or two years. So just go somewhere where you can immediately come in, make an impact, or compete, because there's a lot of favoritism in this business. So just, yeah, just go somewhere where you can get a fair peat against everybody. Hanging out with Shaq Davis, the New Orleans Saints wide receiver, finishing up the conversation at South Carolina State. Now, you decided to get in the draft, Shaq, and you took a chance. You knew that this was where you wanted to be. You felt like your body was ready, that your talent was there. The only thing that was missing was that opportunity. Now, this is a guy, if you've never met Shaq, he's always had to put everything into it. He's gone about it the right way. He's worked hard. He's never been given a thing. I can promise you that because I've seen his body of work from the beginning to where he is right now. This kid will work hard, hands down, better than anybody I've seen. Now, Shaq, that being said, you go through the draft, you go through day one, you hit all the way to the final day. Give me the emotion that you got from when you decided to declare for the draft all the way to getting that phone call and that opportunity that you finally got that landed you in New Orleans. Um, It was a long process. You know, from after our last game of the season, I took uh, – a week off, two weeks off, and then I went right down to Tampa to start my uh, pre-draft process. So I, it was, it took me a little minute to declare, like, to actually make my decision. You know, I talked to my mom, stepdad, and um, my coaches and everything about best decision for me. And then my mom said, well, just pray about it. If you feel like you're ready, go ahead and pull the trigger. You know, we always behind you. And so I took time out, prayed about it. Uh, it took like a lot of time to think and put everything into consideration, and then I pulled the trigger. So then that's when I got ready, went down to Tampa, started my pre-draft process. Um, then also got invited to the East-West Shrine game out in Vegas. Uh, got coached by the Falcons staff, which was also a great experience. You know, getting coached by a full NFL staff. And then after that, 
went right back to Tampa, finished my workouts, and went through pro day. It was just a long waiting game. <laughs> you know, a lot of a lot of anxiety going up, you know, uh, getting on Zoom, Zoom calls with teams and breaking down film and stuff like that. And then um, actually getting the call, uh, it was – I wasn't I – I was happy, but at the same time, I was, like, a little discouraged because I didn't get drafted, you know. But I got the call right after the last pick of the draft. I got called, and then it was the Saints. They said, we want you, and then it went from there. Now, of course, that lands you in New Orleans. Uh, how does that mm-hmm. work out? You guys get the phone call. You've got to report to the camp, right? It, it, it's probably the rookie camp, so everybody gets to know everybody. you got your name tag on your shirt like you're starting a brand-new job, right? Uh, talk to us mm-hmm. a little bit about what that was like. You hit the plane. You what, You had your little bag there. You had no idea what you were walking into as you were walking off that plane. What type of a, a adrenaline was hitting you as you saw this plane land on that tarmac and you land in New Orleans and the reality of stepping on that ground was the beginning of this new chapter that you were catching? Let's work. You know, the only thing on my mind is going, going and showing where I belong. Uh, my mindset is I go in every day and try to prove that I should have been a draft pick. When did it hit you? And has it hit you yet? I guess I should ask the question. Has it hit you yet that you are an NFL football player, Shaq? You have achieved the dream that you were this fourth-grade fella, that they asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And here's Shaq Davis writing out, drawing out this picture of a football player, handing this to your teacher, and she looks at you. And let's be honest, our fourth-grade teachers, they just kind of smile at us and tell us, bless our hearts. I don't even know if they believe it, but you believed it because you achieved it from mm-hmm. the time you were in playing, playing football right over there at Gahagan, all the way playing mm-hmm. in Somerville at South Carolina State, and now you're playing NFL football. And uh, has it hit you yet when you got to the locker room or maybe you walked out on that football field? Uh, give me that type of feeling. And, and when has it, I guess, maybe for the first feeling you got when you got on that? Um, It really hasn't hit me yet that I'm at that level. Like, uh, when I walked into the locker room, I was just like in awe, you know, big, nice locker room. So I'm looking around, and I'm walking past lockers, and I see guys' names like Michael Thomas and Chris Olave, uh, Alvin Kamara, Derek Carr. So I'm just like looking. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I'm really in here. And it really hasn't hit me yet, you know. It feels weird, you know, like uh, going from last season, watching these guys play on TV to being around them. I'm like, Ah, it just it just feels weird. It really hasn't hit me yet, though. You mentioned the name David Carr, Kamara, and you didn't mention Jameis Winston. Of course, Jameis Winston was yes, big sir. time on TV when you were growing up, man, his days at Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to be the funniest guy, period, down there in New Orleans. I don't care. You can meet anybody down there, but I would just think the energy that Jameis Winston has is a lot different than David Carr. David Carr is a business guy. He seems like from the time he you meet him to the time – you walk away from him, even though I'm sure he's got, you know, some entertaining conversations. But Winston mm-hmm. seems kind of like almost like he's there, but he's going to have fun while he's here. Tell us about some of the experience between the David Carr, a, a Jameis Winston, and some of those receivers that you mentioned. Uh, what was that like knowing that you've watched these guys, some of these guys when you were growing up in high school playing, that you're seeing them now as a teammate in the NFL? They, um, they took me under their wing, all those guys, you know. Uh, they're real cool, like Jameis. He's funny, but at the same time, he means business. Uh, Derek, he's very business. Uh, you know, he helps me break down 
coverages and he coached me up on certain routes and things like that. You know, he's a vet. So, uh, of course, I'm just sitting there just soaking everything in. Same with, uh, like, Michael Thomas. You know, he's been in the league for a little minute. Uh, those guys, they just took me under their wing, you know, giving me pointers so I can be the best player I can be. What is the best advice you've been given from one of these NFL current players that have at, that told you, look, you're here, this is what you need to do? What is something that you have heard since you've been down there that you've uh, it really kind of stuck with you? Just dominate. Just come in and dominate. And that's really all they say. Just You're here for a reason. Just come in, make plays, and dominate. Hanging out, wrapping it up here with the one and only Shaq Davis. He, of course, played his high school football days right here in South Carolina, one of our Palmetto State ballers. Of course, they had Somerville with Coach John McKissick. Then he got to co- play under uh, Coach Joe Call. Then he heads over to South Carolina State and uh, won an HBCU National Championship with Buddy Pugh, where he got to do the Dion dance right in front of Dion as he was able to beat <laughs> Dion's team uh, a couple years ago. And then. Well, found out he was going to make it to the league, and now he's an NFL football player. But it doesn't stop there. Just a week ago, well, two weeks ago now, uh, he became a father. And uh, I got to tell you, Shaq, that uh, has been quite a a run you've got there, man. This may be, without a doubt, the best two or three months you've had in your life. Become a father on top of all the other success, man. It definitely puts things in a lot of perspective for you because now you're not just accountable for Shaq Davis. Nope, you got a little man there that you got to watch out for, and of course, Mama as well. Yes, sir. When we go forward from here, Shaq, what's the next move for you? I know you're uh, you're, you're taking some sound time. When do you guys report back? When do y'all have to be back? And and what are they telling you the next few steps for you uh, as you guys get ready for this new season uh, coming up for you and your rookie season? Um, I report back July seventeenth. And next steps for me, just I'm me personally. I'm just taking it day by day, staying in my playbook. You know, uh, knowledge is power. So if I know my playbook, everything else is going to handle itself. So. Gotcha. Now you're back around. I, I know you're you're home with mom right now. You're kind of visiting uh, family. You're going back and forth between her family and your family. Okay. Have you ventured out? Have you made that chance and, and gone out to some of these hometown places here in Somerville? And has anybody recognized you? And, What's been kind of the attitude here in town in Somerville now that these guys know that, hey, they got them another NFL football player that's going to be in the Hall of Fame at Somerville here real soon? Um, I haven't had a chance to go out in Somerville yet. You know, it's just work for me right now uh, while I'm here. You know, I took a week off to be with my son, but while I'm here, it's just it's just great work from here to I leave. Well, man, I want to tell you, thank you so much. I know I talked to your mom, and she helped get me uh, attached to you to get you in here, man. You're a very busy guy, and I can promise you, you found out you got a few more friends than you had before you found out that you were going to become a New Orleans Saints, man. The pressure, the attention, the, the everything, man. But, you know, you're a man that's used to this type of uh, challenge. You're a man who's used to doing it the way you're doing it. And that's like I told your mom, and I'm telling you and any other listener, I didn't expect it any other way, Shaq, than the way you had to go to get to where you had to get because you were molded to go through the way you are. And, and and so it will make you, and it has made you, the man that you are today on and off the football field. And you're going to do not only amazing things on the field, but I can't wait to see what you do off the field as well. And I just want to say thank you for giving me 30 minutes today when you could have uh, done a lot of other things. And you took time away from your son and, and uh, your family to do this. And I just want to say thank you for not forgetting the guys here in Somerville who hung out with you when you were this young kid 
who uh, might have weighed 140 pounds back in the day, maybe 130. But uh, we knew then <laughs> that you were going to do something back then. So uh, I'm proud of you, buddy. Um, I can't tell you enough how excited I am to, to become a New Orleans Saints fan myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a Packer guy. But on Sunday, <laughs> I'll have me another shirt on, and it'll have your number on it. Have they decided what number and all that? How does that work out as far as picking out your jerseys? And did they just give you a jersey? 80. Yeah, they just gave me 80. Well, I'm sticking with that for right a now. big number. There, a lot of big receivers wore number eighty. Now, so you got some some numbers to live up to there. If you research number eighty, I think uh, I, I want to say Jerry Rice was a number eighty. Yep. I don't know why it's hitting me, but uh, that's a big name there. But uh, you're going to do your own thing. And, and again, congratulations on your success on the football field, off the football field, and uh, becoming a father, man. I can't tell you, Shaq, how proud I am of you. And I just want to say thank you for staying humble. I can't wait for you to do a camp here in Somerville. We're going to help you out. We're going to cover it and do anything we can do to help you do whatever we can do, whether it's picking up trash or whatever, uh, because you're a man uh, that doesn't forget where you came from. And that, I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of young kids here in Somerville. There's a lot of kids wearing that green S on their chest right now. And there's kids at other high schools around this area who are well aware who Shaq Davis is, and they're well aware that what you had to do to get to where you had to go, they're watching you. They are telling you. They will follow you. And uh, anything that you can do to help these young kids out, man, on our behalf is greatly appreciated, buddy. But uh, congratulations on the father name tag you just picked up on that beautiful little baby boy that just joined us in this world. And if there's anything we can do or I can do, you know, reach out and uh, we'll do what we can to help you. Yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. But I'll catch up with you off the air. I know we got some plans. We'll try to catch up as well uh, off the air and uh, maybe go out in town or something like that, man. But uh, until then, man, enjoy the time. Tell the family we said hello and uh, try to stay cool in this heat, buddy. All right. Thank you. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Shaq Davis, one of the best guys. I'll tell you something. Shaq is a guy who – He's as humble as it gets. But I'm going to tell you something. You definitely don't cross the guy. <laughs> don't cross the guy because he, he has that dog in him, and he will get to where he needs to go, and he's going to do it the way he needs to get it done. And he is by far going to do some amazing things uh, over there, of course, with the New Orleans Saints. They got a steal. I'm going to tell you something. They got a steal and a deal in that young man. He is going to continue uh, to do good things. He's number 80. So you can go ahead, guys, and get you a number 80 jersey, New Orleans Saints. Uh, Shaq Davis, I can see him uh, making an impact pretty early if uh, given that opportunity. Guys, we've got to take a break, and we are going to head over to the Coaches Association where Lee Taylor is going to be joining us here very shortly. He's going to tell us a little bit about the vision of the Coaches Association here in South Carolina. You know, we follow these guys on social media. I've got a chance to talk to some of the guys that I believe handle the Twitter account. There's a handful of these guys, if I'm not mistaken. But I can promise you, we are on board with the Coaches Association. Whatever they got going on, we want to support it, we want to join it, and we want to help push it as much as we can. So when we come back, we'll find out exactly what is the mission, what is the vision, what are they looking to accomplish over there in the High, high School Coaches Association. I want to thanks again to Shaq Davis for joining us. Of course, he played his high school football over there at Somerville, carried it over there right after that to South Carolina State, and then got that call, got that opportunity to become a New Orleans Saint and make it into the NFL. Coming back, guys, we will be joined by the one and the only, the young man over there with the Coaches Association as we'll hang out with Coach Lee Taylor right after this, guys. Three claps, we're ready tonight. Three claps. Three claps. 
three claps. 27 years ago, I sat in this locker room just like you guys on a knee getting ready to play a game. I walk down the locker room, it still smells the same. It takes you back real quick. One of the things that caught me was how fast 27 years goes by. There's so many people that live vicariously through you. I would give anything tonight to jump in one of these uniforms with you guys. To do something I never had an opportunity to do. My father never saw me play. You play for your father tonight. That feeling goes away. It goes away, and it doesn't come every Friday night. It comes when you get married. It comes when your child's born. So you get it. But you just don't get it every Friday night. You're going to miss that more than anything in the world. That's what I miss. And so you seniors that are focused on college, you're focused on your work after high school, what you're going to do next, you're focused on tomorrow, aren't you? You've got plenty of time for tomorrow. But these tonights, they're going by fast. You focus on tonight. This is about you guys. This is about the guys in this room that care about each other, that know there's only so many more of these nights left. It's about you. They're a faceless opponent. They just happen to draw the short straw tonight. Now get your asses ready to play. Win on three. One, two, three. I feel that now, back to Southern Sports Central. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. And give us a call at 323-784-9681. Let's rejoin Richie and Eugene on Southern Sports Central. everybody richie i'm here live on southern sports central let's bring him in in style with the nature boy it is 2001 odyssey and it is the one and only coach lee taylor with the coaches association of south carolina coach what a blessing it is to have you with us here on this saturday morning coach thank you oh man i appreciate you all inviting us us on today man it is awesome i look yeah look i tell all of our coaches and I said our coaches because I played baseball and football here in the state of South Carolina, and I'm a big athletic guy here in our state. It's the best state to play high school sports. And uh, when I started seeing you guys join together as coaches and then uh, you, of course, got on that social media, it was only time before I got one of you guys to agree to come in here and let's talk some football. 
and let's talk about the vision, the mission, and what do we need to do to help you guys to achieve the things that y'all need to do uh, in our great state here in South Carolina. And, you know, we, we, we finally got a group together as, as the uh, kind of like the executive part of our association now with, with Jimmy Noonan uh, as our executive director. Um, I'm on permanently now as the secretary treasurer. And, you know, we just got a great group of, of board of directors uh, that we have looking forward to bringing some more guys on in July whenever um, we have elections at our clinic here at the end of this month. And uh, we we feel really good about moving forward. We feel really good about where we're at, where we are at. We feel really good about our relationship with the, with the high school league, and, and we're trying daily to uh, increase our relationship and, and make our relationship better with the high school league, and also be a voice for all of our coaches throughout the state. We are hanging out with South Carolina Coaches Association's own. Coach Lee Taylor hanging out today, talking high school football and uh, getting a vision and mission from the coaches of this great state of South Carolina, the Palmetto State. Now, we know Coach Jimmy Noonan pretty well down here. He, he, he did some uh, coaching over there at Wando for many, 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 many years uh, before he talented yes, to Georgetown and uh, did a great job in Georgetown. And now, of course, uh, you know, he's in another chapter. But as you guys saw this, this need and this, this fit that had to be put together, what, what what brought you guys all together? What was the final straw that broke the back that said, you know what, enough's enough. We got to get together so that we can get on the same page and, and do what needs to be best for our coaches that are going to kind of fall down into our players and of course for each community that they that coach and play in. Well, you know, a lot. You know, some some people might not like this answer, but you know, we got a lot of uh, got a lot of recruiting going on in our state, uh, not just from private schools, but also from public schools, charter schools, whatever it may be. And I think the powers that be with uh, me and Jimmy, Jason Farmer, um, Brian Smith, Dean Boyd, that group right there, we just kind of got together and said, hey, man, you know, we're going we're gonna to have to unite with some of the, the older coaches. That, I guess you, know, you can call us older guys now that we're going to we're gonna have to unite and we're going to have to kind of stop, put a stop to all this or as, or as close as we can. So that's why we came up with, with uh, Followed Texas. Texas does straight line recruiting, um, and that has a lot to do with the colleges where they come straight to the coaches at the high school as opposed to going to these handlers and, and whatever else you, you might want to call them that are you know, street pimps or whatever you want to call them. A lot of people don't like that, but that's just what's happening. So that's what really brought us all together is, is basically people poaching our kids and, and uh, basically recruiting our kids and so that's what brought us all together and with this one mission as we're going to do what's best for the football coaches and, and all of our football programs in the state of South Carolina. You know, I remember my days of play, and I went to Soxie in the 90s. Uh, of course, we had Coach Brown was there. I, I don't know if you remember way back when Coach Brown was at Soxie. And oh, yeah. uh, then he uh, he he was uh, – he left, and when he left, we got Coach Randy Gold. We actually got that entire staff from Sumter uh, back in the mid-90s, about mm-hmm. 1995, mm-hmm. I think, 96 is when they all kind of came over. Um, and Coach Gold and Coach Brown, very similar in certain mannerisms, but definitely had their own, their own piece that they would bring to the puzzle. When you guys look at our state, and I think we're very blessed to have the coaches we have, but I will say that we're in a transition of coaches, right? I, I feel like the younger coaches are now starting to come up, like you mentioned. I'm an old-school kind of guy, played for guys who would – yeah, they would grab you by the face mask. They'd be spitting in your face. They would tell you to run until they got tired, and yet they weren't running. So now you can't do that as much. 
Now these coaches are a little bit more handcuffed. When it comes to that part, how do you – I guess maybe is that where some of these clinics kind of come in where you guys are able to get in front of the coaches as a whole and kind of educate them on how you guys used to do things but yet understand that it's a different era and some different things are put in place that they can't really do it the complete way that y'all did it? Um, most definitely. I I just completed my 34th year this year, and, and it's changed. And either either you adapt or it's, it's time to get out. Um, but what we're doing is – Shane Fiddler, you know, formerly of Ashley Ridge, is now at Airport. He has yep. just put together, we're going to do this in July. He's put this under 35, or 35 and under academy um, that coaches around the state had to apply for. Um, and we're going to do an entire day Tuesday at the July clinic for these under 35 coaches. Um, that These are some head coaches that are under 35. These are some assistant coaches that are under 35 that aspire to be head coaches. And Shane has put together a great um, program for them that Tuesday at the clinic for some older coaches to come in and talk to them about how to practice, how to do different things. There's some other guys coming in talking to them about budgeting, talking about buying equipment and uh, dealing with parents and dealing with the media. Um, and Shane has done a great job with that. So we're moving forward with – because we, I see it, uh, all, some of the other guys see it too. There's a youth movement now in South Carolina. Some of these younger guys, not only under 35, under 30 are getting head coaching jobs for the first time, mm. and we want to help them. Uh, we want to help them as much as we can to move forward and, and have a long career. Hey, and I was Coach Lee Taylor. Now, he had a long career in his time. He's still doing his thing here in the great state of South Carolina. Coach, tell our listeners a little bit about you. I know you've got over 30 years, 35-plus years in the state doing what you do. Where did this start? Where did you play? Uh, kind of give us what got you to where you are today, okay. if you can kind of get us up to speed. Well, uh, I, I played at Winsboro High School, which is which is now Fairfield Central. Uh, went on and played at, at Charleston Southern, which was Baptist College when I played um, there. Mm-hmm. Um, first job I got was I was I was a head coach at 22 years old at Holly Hill Academy, a, you know, private school down in Orangeburg County. I stayed there for a couple of years, moved on, became defense coordinator at Stahl High School, uh, where we played for a state championship. Uh, had some, had a really good run there. Ninety ninety. Eight, I moved to uh, J.L. Mann. When, when Mickey Crocker got the head coaching job at J.L. Mann, I moved up there, ended up getting a head coaching job at Southside High School, stayed there for five years, moved over to Malden uh, with Doug Shaw in 2006. In 2013, took over that program when Doug moved to Palmetto. I took over uh, at Malden, stayed there to 2016, and then moved down to Lawrence where I've Won a number of hats at Lawrence. I've been the defense coordinator, the offense coordinator, um, and just moving forward there and staying there right now. Let me ask you this, Coach. You've been from the low country to the upstate. Is there any mm-hmm. difference in, in, in the athletics and the talent and in, in anything? Because we do – we see that there's, there seems to be some difference between – the lower state to the upper state, what is the biggest difference that you see coaching in, in, in Charleston over there, of course, as you said, over at Stahl, and then you head over to Malden, where, of course, it's a whole different ballgame in Malden than it is, of course, at Stahl? Oh, well, when I moved, when I moved from, from Stahl to jail, man, the biggest, the biggest and, that, and this was, again, back in, you know, back in, the, in the late 90s, the biggest difference that I saw was the physicality of play. It was a little more – a little more physical, um, 
down in the lower state um, than it was in the upstate. Upstate was a little more finesse, and I'm not saying that's that's like it is now, um, because there's some definitely some physical schools in the upstate um, as well, and there's some finesse schools down in down in the low country. But from what I saw um, when, when I moved, is is the low country tend to be a little more physical back then, um, and, and you know obviously that's 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 changed some. Um, speed is everywhere now, though. Um, you know I, I thought there was a little more speed. In the upstate, when I moved, and it was in the lower state, a little bit different. You know, I think the upstate went to went through a spread offense more than sooner than the lower state did, from what I could see. Lower state was a little more tight end eye uh, formations. Uh, you know, we used to play old St. John's that just went went double tight wishbone. Uh, you know, even even in the nineties, um, and and, were, and was very tough with Coach Biggerstaff and that group down there was very tough to play uh, week in and week out. So. You know, I, I I think the big thing that I saw was physicality. Now, of course, you look at things now, it seems like now the kids up there, I mean, again, you've got Gaffney, and I call it Little John University. Yeah. Now, that's Gaffney. They've oh, never not oh, had a Little John on the roster, <laughs> on the roster over there, Sorry. right? But uh, yeah, you, you get those guys. you got Dorman University that's up there. That's something that I want to talk to you guys about as well. It seems like there's – it seems like they cut more schools in the lower state than they do in the upper state. In other words, you know, you got Somerville, which is where our studio is here, and, and they cut it up three ways. You got Ashton Ridge, you got Fort Dorchester, right? And then they're looking at maybe possibly another school because both of these schools are busting at the seams already. Meanwhile, you got a Dorman, you got a, you, you got a Burns, right, where they're not cutting those guys. It seems like as much, and they don't have some of the ones and the twos that you see and the one and two A's that you see down here in the lower state. How, how does that work out as far as, the lines that are drawn, or, or that they really try to preserve certain schools and not really touch those lines because certain reasons. Well, I, you know, I think, uh, and and not that it's not prevalent in the lower state because it is because, you know, when when I was when I was coaching down here, um, you know, Somerville was a community school. I mean, that's that's what it was, and I think that's what the upper state is is trying to preserve a little bit. Is you know, Burns Burns is over there in in that in that community that's that one high school that's there gaffney that one high school that's that's really kind of been Gaffney. not the only high school in the county but the only high school that's in gaffney and i think that's what they're trying to do is is just preserve those community schools because to me i look at now, it coach they, and, and are they I busting at the seams yes are they, they are busting at the seams sure <laughs> Sure, and, and, and you see they are, right? And, and, again, Dylan is even a conversation of that because, you know, when their legendary coach was there, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Coach Haynes, right, he, he, he would be – you just didn't hear it. And again, I played against Dylan in my days at soccer because they didn't have 5-8, it was 4 and you had six, sweet 16s six and all that stuff. And that's, of course, when they, right. had, uh, um, they had a good running back over there, Stan Manning, back in those days that was running through people, not around people. But um, that's right. You know, it just seems like there's just certain schools that they just don't touch. You don't see other schools around them, and that helps them maintain that body of athletics that they continue to do. Like we say, week after week, you got the Dormans, you got the Burns, you got the Gaffneys. That they don't seem to be hit quite as hard as the Somervilles, or even you start looking at well, Goose Creek's kind of got you know Stratford over there now, and mm-hmm. Kane Bay's up that way, Berkeley's up that way. That's but right. the lower state seems to be hit more with some of the smaller schools. Than, than, than not, even though you're seeing teams like aren't, you know, you're seeing King Streets and stuff like that that are starting to combine. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, again, I just think that's, you know, I think uh, Barnwell, Barnwell is combining um, soon with uh, 
uh, Williston and that group down there, I think they're going to be they're going to become one big high school in the next year, a couple of years or so. So, uh, you know, you you are you are seeing that, especially with the lower schools, with the smaller schools in in the lower state. You just don't see that in the upper state. Right. I mean, we saw West Ashley do that with two of their schools over there a couple of years ago. That's right. And you saw it at Collinson mm-hmm. County. Now, Coach, you've also seen this as well. This is another conversation that I've got written down that I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on. You get two schools that are they're really good by themselves, but then they join together, like in Collinson County. You know, those two schools prior to them joining together, they were pretty legit programs over mm-hmm. there. Then they joined together, you would think that they would get better, but for some reason they missed the mark. What do you think it is when you start combining the Hackfield and McCoys for lack of two better words, uh, together that all of a sudden it doesn't seem to be quite the marriage and you don't see quite the talent that you thought you were going to see when you put those two teams on the same football field as teammates? You know, that's a fantastic question and a very hard question. Um, And, you know, if I had the the solution to that, I'd probably make a million dollars off of it because I'd write a book about it. But I I think a lot of that, a lot of it has to do when you combine those. I think that sometimes participation drops off. Um, I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, you think, you think if you if you combine a couple of schools and let's say this school dressed out 45 on Friday night and the other school dressed out 45, and then you combine them, you're like, oh, we're gonna dress 90 people on Friday nights, and you, and you go out there and play them, and you look at them, and they have 45 dressed, um, even though they combine schools 45 or 50. So I think I think some of the, sometimes when you combine those those schools that just participation drops off. You know, that basketball player that plays football, at, that played football at Colleton County, uh, that played at, at St. George, you know, he might just play basketball now and not play and not play football anymore um, and, ju- and just specialize in a sport. I think that's got a lot to do with it is, is people, they just drop off and just don't play anymore. You know, participation is down in our state anyway, and I think that just might make it a little bit easier for some of them when they combine and say, well, I'm just going to be a basketball player, I'm going to be a wrestler, um, I'm going to be a baseball player. Of course, basketball started this thing way back when, when, of course, they were doing uh, their thing. And now baseball, of course, is taking off and doing their year-long sports. And then there's football. You know, football is now starting to become a year-long thing as right. well. 707. Not a big fan of 707. We'll talk to them that before I get you out of here, Coach. Uh, but, again, at least they're moving. At least they're acclimated. At least they're doing things. Uh, because I do have a 707 thing I want to run by you and get your thoughts on. But before we get there, sure. let's talk about the quarter rule. Uh, you talk about kids playing. There's always that conversation is back when they, you know, back in the 90s, there was a different rule that they could play so many quarters and then play Friday nights. What is the, what is the, the rule there that if they dress out on Thursday night, they can't participate on Friday night or kind of educate our listeners here and why yeah. we do the quarter rule the way we do and not extend it to uh, a little bit more <laughs> so that a kid may can play on a Thursday and a Friday? Well, you know, since, since I was, since I started um, up until they, they high school league got rid of the eight quarter rule, um, you know, back when I start, started coaching, a kid could play four quarters on Thursday night, turn around and play four quarters on Friday night. Now, most of the time, the majority of the time, now, did, did, did we have people that took advantage of that? Absolutely. But the rule was instituted for um, a JV kid that might play quarterback on Thursday night that he would come up and be the backup quarterback on Friday night in an emergency situation. A lot of times those kids never played, um, but they came up and they dressed out with the varsity and they were eligible for eight quarters. A lot of times that, that also rested people where you didn't have to play a lot of starters or play a lot of people on special teams where some of those JD guys would come up and play special teams. Well, they, they got rid of that. There was too much contact, too many, too many collisions going on um, from, all these studies that the National Federation of High Schools 
did, and we adopted to we we decided to go away from the adopted eight quarter rule. Um, we've been four quarters now. You play four quarters on Thursday night. You play four quarters on Friday night. You can cannot play either. You have to play Thursday night or Friday night. Um, what we have proposed um, is a six quarter rule um, that is as pretty much going through the, the safety and medical aspects committee that kind of makes all the recommendations to the high school league um, as, as uh, again, as far as safety goes, that a kid can play um, four quarters on Thursday night and then turn around and play two quarters, which would be the second half of the game on Friday night. And that's mainly due to uh, games that are out of control, you know, uh, like, Mark Hodge from Chapman, he's, he's done extensive work on this, extensive research on this, and he brought up the fact that one year when he was at Chapman um, and they won the state championship, they were 15-0, and 0, he said they had seven offensive linemen on the entire team. He said so they couldn't bring any guys up to go in the game. He said 13 out of the 15 games that they played that year were over at halftime. But those offensive linemen had to stay in the game the entire game and got, I think I can't come up with the exact number, but I know it was over 300 more collisions during the season that those offensive linemen got that they could have taken them out of the game and put some JV offensive linemen in that had played on Thursday night in the second half of the varsity game and let them play. Um, so that's, that's our reasoning. Our reasoning behind it is not to, uh, you know, let, let these really good players play on Thursday night and then come up and start the game on Friday night as well just to win a JV game on Thursday night. The whole reasoning behind this proposal is safety for our kids and, and limiting the amount of collisions that, that our varsity kids have on Friday night. Hey, and that was Coach Lee Taylor. He is with the South Carolina Coaches Association right here in South Carolina. Glad to have the coaches a part of Southern Sports Central. We've partnered with these guys ever since we realized uh, that they had joined forces. We wanted to let them know they had a voice here on this brand and this network that I am committed to the high school athlete as a former South Carolina Pop Motor State athlete myself. Uh, my goal is the same as their goal, and that is to protect these young athletes, educate these young athletes, and give them an opportunity not only to be seen, but to be heard here on this broadcast. As uh, Coach, we're just glad to be with you here today to talk about all this stuff because there's a lot of questions, and I'd like to continue having you on throughout the year if you got time because, yes, again, things happen throughout the year, week after week, man. And, and again, I, I don't really – I don't tow many lines. I never have. And, and, and I, what I like to do is put facts in front of people and, and put the questions out there, but I don't have the answers. And you guys do. And, and of course, yes, the sir. direction that you guys go with, we, we've been fortunate to have uh, the commissioner come in here one time with us. He was very um, open to join us here. And that was a good interview. Uh, but to get guys yes. like you, guys like him, to show you guys that, hey, we're, we're here for you guys. You know, we're your brand. We're yes, your sir. radio show. I just happened to turn it on and let you guys speak. But let's talk 707s. I, I would like us to do um, – you mentioned Texas, and a couple of coaches and I are pretty close that are, are close to you guys as well, um, without mentioning their names because I don't want to put their business in the street. But we talk mm-hmm. a lot about the same things you and I are talking about. And what I did talk to this one individual about putting a 7-7 seven seven program in South Carolina, making a spring sport no different than baseball or, or softball or any track and field, and letting the kids play 7-on-7 seven seven, against one another, and again, you don't have to do the region thing. You can just play within your area. Charleston could play Dorchester and Berkeley County, and then you can actually have a tournament or whatever. You can make it its own league. Uh, 
And again, you got to have good grades, you got to have attendance. So there's going to educate and, and help these kids continue to be ready instead of falling off at the end of the year. And then these coaches, like you guys, are scrambling to get them eligible for whatever reason mm-hmm. in the in the fall. But Texas does this same thing and actually has a tournament at the end of the year. Plus, that keeps them from mm-hmm. playing other seven on sevens outside of the high school league. Is, is there any chance, yes. any opportunity that we could look at making that uh, an actual charter? program or a charter sport in the spring it's us as an association have discussed that now now you know we we went this year to where fall sports have march the entire month of march as the quote unquote open season where you know you can you can go out and practice you know with football and all that good stuff um we have discussed possibly proposing seven on seven for march again that's early it's it's in the early works um it, it's just been discussed at our meetings um we hadn't even you know sent it to the, the safety medical aspects committee we hadn't we've discussed it I, I'll, I'll just put it that way it's, it's been a, it's been mm-hmm. in talks amongst us at our meetings what we did have passed this year though was for the summer was 11 on 11 um no pads you know obviously a seven on seven you can elect to do it jason tone from hannah um, introduce this great idea um, and you don't have to do it if you don't want to it just it just can't if you do it it counts as one of your 10 seven on seven days in the summer um, but it's no pad 11 on 11 where you do inside drill you do one-on-ones um, you do some 11 on 11 team with no pads and you do seven on seven as well so basically what you're doing is is you're practicing with another team or three or four teams um, in the summer. Some people right. are opposed to it, which is fine. Um, you don't have to do it. We didn't make it mandatory for you to do it. It's, it passed um, the executive committee, and we could do it this summer if we wanted to. People that are skeptical about it, we've told them, contact Jason Tone at T.O. Hanna and get him to send you some video of it, and it's outstanding. Jason and them do a fantastic job of it, um, of controlling the – the tempers controlling the situation, they do a fantastic job over at Hannah. And I'm not saying the other schools don't either. I've seen it um, at, at Hannah. I think that's a step in the right direction um, as as far as moving forward as a state. And we've gone from 7-on-7 seven seven to 11-on-11. 11 11. Um, up, up to – you can do it up to five times in the summer. You can use half of your of your ten dates in the summer to do 11-on-11 11 11 if you want to. Hey, now with Coach Lee Taylor with the South Carolina Coaches Association here on Southern Sports Central, bringing in a beautiful Saturday morning in style here. Coach, I like the 11-11 thing. It gets more guys acclimated. It gets more guys on the field. It definitely has more of a football feeling. I, I just I struggle with the 7-7. So give me your version. of What do you like about 7-7 and what do you dislike about 7-7? Again, I think it depends who's running that 7-7 team, by the way. I will give it that credit there. Uh, it seems like it's got a different feeling when it's at a high school rather than when it's with an organization outside of the high school. But what is your pros and cons of, of the 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, when it comes down to it? What what I like about 7-on-7 seven seven is, is, is competition, number one. You get, you get in the kit, and we're, we're throwing a football, uh, catching a football, um, and, and, it's, and it's competitive. Um, what I don't like about it is teams that play man-free, um, have no linebackers in the box, uh, teams that run five wide all the time, uh, teams that take the running back and run it to right to where the center is going to be and run him on a fly straight up the field. Um, 
stuff that you're not going to do on Friday night. I've even asked coaches before when they've, when they've lined up in a defense um, against us, and I'm like, I'll be able to ask them, are you going to line up on, against this on Friday night like this? And nine out of ten times, the answer is no. Um, so I've always been a guy that we're going to run stuff that we run on Friday night um, offensively. Defensively, I like to see guys that run stuff that they're going to run on Friday night, not just to quote-unquote win a seven-on-seven game um, and doing stuff that you're not going to do on Friday night. That, that's that's what I don't like about it. I do love the competition of it. I do love that the kids are out there throwing and catching footballs um, and, and defending. I, I do like that part of it. Now, Coach, when we talk about this, and, again, that goes back to my conversation. I just – and it's a pipe dream, and not all coaches would even like this. I don't know, but I saw, the, the again, the, the outline of Texas and how they did their 707, making it basically – you know, a, a three-month season. No different than they do football season. It was just in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many things I love about it. There's some questions and things. I get it, man. There's always going to be that when you're trying to do something new. There's always going to be a lot of guys that are good and a lot of guys that are bad. I don't care what you say or what you try to do. That's there's right. always going to be somebody that's not going to not going to agree with you. you know? right. But uh, I, I like the 11-11. Getting more guys acclimated is, is definitely going to help keep mm-hmm. the kids um, prepared as well as keep them in shape. Oh, most definitely. I, I, for now, a couple of guys that that were that are on our board that were looking at it ha, have gone over to 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 Hannah whenever um, they did theirs and watched it and, and were really skeptical about it until you actually see it. Um, if you're skeptical about it, you need to go look at it and you need to to see film of it, especially when when Hannah runs it. Um, now you know you really. Even Jason said this. Jason Tone said. You really need to do 11 on 11 against, you know, guys that you're familiar with, guys that you trust, um, to, to to keep control of it. Because we know tempers flare. It's summertime. You know, we 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 get that. Um, but um, it's very controlled. Um, technique is used a whole lot more because there are no pads involved. Um, so the kids have to use their hands. The kids have to have to take proper steps. The kids have to take, get their head out of the way. Um, so uh, I think it teaches a whole lot more technique. Um, because pads are not being used, it's very organized. And, again, like you said, it's getting everybody involved in it. Honestly, kids get – the linemen especially get tired of going to a 7-on-7 on a Tuesday, and they flip tires and they do a tug-of-war. That's all well and good. But if you do that 7 to 10 times a summer, offensive and defensive linemen get tired of that. You know, they want a little bit of competition themselves as far as one-on-one and inside drill and stuff go and want to be coached. Talking about competition and being coached, let me ask you about the spring games. I'm not a big spring game guy either. It's one of those things. These kids have been hitting on each other for three or four weeks, and at this point, I mean, it seems like high school football never breaks. I mean, maybe a month here and there, but I just don't yeah. remember my day yeah. of playing that we were always – I mean, these kids are always on the football field. I mean, it's great. I yeah. love it. It helps me stay busy yeah. and doing what I do. But, you know, <laughs> for me, when I played and when you played, Coach, you had to play baseball, basketball, and football, and you had to play Legion baseball. I mean – you had to play other sports because this was an opportunity, which is, again, not a bad thing if this is your future and where you want to go. But when I look at a spring game, could you ever see our state possibly allowing these guys to make it a scrimmage against another team so that you can actually see how far you've come during spring practice rather than beat each other up? Because everybody yells at me and says, well, well, they can get hurt. And I'm thinking, you don't think that guy on the other side is not getting ready to try to put his buddy on the other side of the football on his behind? He goes to school with this guy. He wants to embarrass this guy. It's no different. 
it just takes the coaches to coach them up and the referees to be a little bit more in depth. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can I can see it coming. Um, that again, that's something that has been discussed um, amongst our board um, as far as moving forward with that. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take us to do that, you know. And I hate to compare ourselves with other sure. with other states because you know, hey, South Carolina plays great football. Uh, bottom line, but you know, Georgia Georgia's been doing it for years. Uh, Florida does it, and they they play another team um, where. It's also a fundraiser in the spring, um, you know, because you can charge to get in that spring game. I think, personally, me just talking, I think it's a great idea. Sure. I think our state should move to that. Um, I think we should move to it within the next five years. But, you know, that's that's something that's going to have to be proposed. Um, a lot of research is going to have to go into it. Safety Medical Aspects Committee is going to have to have to get involved in it with the executive committee and the high school league. And, um you know, and we'll see what National Federation of High School says about it too, because um, that's what our our high school league is is really straight by the book with the National Federation of High Schools, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, and I'm not saying they don't do a good job because they do, um, but I do see our state possibly moving to that. Um, I wouldn't say within the next three to five years, maybe. Because right. again, I, I agree with. I mean, and again, without even knowing the Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, what they do. Because my thing is, if you're not changing, you're not really getting better. You know, with time comes change, and if you're not going with the times, you're going to get left behind, right? And we do. We have the greatest right. coaches, players, sports in any state. You know, South Carolina per capita puts more right. guys in the NFL than anybody. At least we're at the top of the charts, right. and we just had Shaq Davis. He's one of those guys. So, for me, yeah. you're going against competition. Does it matter that he has the same – uh, you know, address is this guy. I mean, a guy on the other side is a guy on the other side. So it shouldn't really matter if you're going to let them scrimmage each other. What's the difference between them scrimmaging another team? And again, that gives these coaches an opportunity to have some good dialogue going into the summer. And okay, well, we really weren't as good as we thought we were because to me, you know, when I look at colleges, and I know that's a big conversation in our state too, when, you know, either that means your defense is really good or your offense is really good. If you score a bunch of points in the offense, are they as good as they are? Is our defense even worse? You know, you really just don't know. And at least that puts that thing uh, to rest as well. Talking about getting acclimated, I know that day is coming up in July. Here at the end of the uh, end of the month this is our last month without having some high school football in August. I know we got some things going on. Where does it come out that wearing a helmet for three days acclimates an athlete in 110 degrees weather out here in, in South Carolina? When it might be 90 on the ra- on, on the temperature gauge, but with the humidity in Charleston, you and I both know if you played football down here in college. You coach down here. You know we have a different type of humidity yep. down here. How does three days yeah. acclimate an athlete with a helmet on compared to putting pads all the way on him and letting his body get used to it? Well, that's that's the good part about doing stuff in the summer. Um, I know anytime anytime we go outside in the summer, we put a helmet on. Um, and th- now you know no pads or anything, but at least there's a helmet on that gets the kids acclimated to to wearing a helmet. Um, you know, and it's and it's not like it used to be where a kid, for the most part, now there are instances where this happens, but for the most part, a kid doesn't show up on on July the 28th when you can start practice this year. A kid doesn't show up on July the 28th on the first day and go, "Hey, coach, I want to play football." Um, you know, they've most of them have been there all summer. So if if you're doing what you need to do in the summertime with your kids um, conditioning and putting helmets on during the summer. Then those three days, um, three days in helmets, basically, 
Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think the three days actually acclimates them to the heat. I think starting in June is when these kids are getting acclimated to the heat. Right. I agree with you. Hanging out, wrapping it up here with the coach from the South Carolina Coaches Association, the one and only Coach Lee Taylor. He is, uh, well, he's, he's one of the original coaches in the great state of South Carolina. Not only did he play in South Carolina in high school, he stayed here in the state, and he's been around the state. So we've seen it from the low country to the Midlands, to the upstate. So, again, uh, Coach, we always appreciate your time in, in the future as well. We just uh, we continue want to grow our relationship with you and all of your coaches. I mean, I have a great relationship across the state after being in this thing since 2008. Uh-huh. And really during the COVID season, I felt like I got closer to you guys than anything uh, because mm-hmm. we couldn't come on campus. So we did a lot of virtual tours where we ended up having coaches yeah. and players come on. And uh, it gave us a chance to really get to know each school, each school and each campus without going to the campus. So we do appreciate the open invitations that you guys give us. Uh, Let's talk about the state championship real quick before I get you out of here. Looking at maybe moving it again, possibly, right? Uh, I know we've uh, we've been over at Benedict, and uh, Benedict has done a great job uh, housing us and putting us in places. Um, But to me, again, I I hate to say I'm old school, even though I'm 45, but things have changed a lot since my days in the 90s. There's just something about playing at Williams-Brice Stadium. Not that it's a Gamecock stadium. I, yeah, that's just – if you're a Gamecock, then that's a plus. But it's the fact of putting these kids in a Power 5, big locker room environment. Because some of these kids will never play college football. Some of these kids will never mm-hmm. play at the Power 5 level. So it gives them that experience. I mean, if you look at Charlotte, right, or you look at North Carolina, they play in Charlotte Stadium. Other places play in LSU. They play in that stadium there in Louisiana. I mean – and I'm not – I don't want to make it look like I don't appreciate Benedict, Coach, by no means. But what I do yeah, want yeah. to do is give these kids the full experience. And I like the night game, especially now with the lights. Man, turn on the lights. Mm-hmm. Give them the experience of a lifetime. They've earned it. They deserve it. And, and for I, – I guess it's a financial thing, but somewhere there's got to be a gentleman's agreement between the University of South Carolina. And I only I like it in Columbia because that's the middle of our state. If Clemson was there, mm-hmm. then it would be Clemson, but because it's, the, it's where it is, right? Where do we have to go? I mean, I know South Carolina State's a conversation that you guys are looking at or something. You know, whoever's looking at it, there's South Carolina State's a conversation. And then there were talks about moving it around, maybe taking it to Coastal one year, bringing it to the Citadel one year. Where does it land, and what do we need to do to kind of solidify a spot, but yet still give these kids that environment that they got when they were playing in Columbia? Well, well yeah, first of all, I agree with you. Uh, uh, Benedict is a great host. They've they've done a they've done a fantastic job. It's a great um, it's a great venue uh, to have it. Um, but uh, but yeah, of course, you know, well, we would love to have it at South Carolina, but it is a cost issue. Um, and again, that's that's going to have to be a conversation between the high school league and the University of South Carolina, where they're just going to have to come off. Um, you know, we've had we've had schools play in the state championship game and actually have to write the high school league a check. Um, just due to the cost that South Carolina is charging the high school league to use their venue um, over over a two day period, which is a shame. You would think it is a shame, coach, because you would think again that's a state funded school, correct? I mean, and this is the right. I don't even get mad at the high school league for moving it because again, if it's going to cost us a bunch of exactly. money for the state and, and exactly. so on and so forth, I'm not I'm disappointed in the University of South Carolina. Yeah, uh, for yeah. me personally, because and, why and, would you not want, and, number one, you're getting kids on your campus to whether go to school as an athlete and or student or a student and or an athlete, however you want to look at it, but you're also getting that exposure for this campus that you guys have put a ton of money into, and yet it's a state-funded school. So for me, 
is this a politics opportunity for the politicians to get involved? Say, look, I understand y'all want to make some money, but last time I checked, every kid that's playing in the stadium, they pay state taxes. Let them get their state tax money on the football field. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's gotten to the point that that I say can't afford. I mean, but that's that's sure. what it is. I mean, the high school league and I mean, how I mean, how would you feel if your school went and played for the state championship, won or win or lose, and then mm-hmm. a week later, the high school league contacts you and say, you know, hey, you owe us thirty five hundred dollars just due to the cost of the of the stadium. We didn't we didn't make enough money to pay for it, so y'all owe us thirty five hundred dollars or twenty five hundred dollars or whatever it might be. Um, absolutely ridiculous um, for for a school to to have to do that. And again, not a, not the high school league's fault. The high school league, I'm I know for sure. a fact, tried to deal with them, tried to negotiate with them, won't, wanting it there. Um, but right. you know, from a logistic standpoint, from a financial standpoint, they just couldn't do it. And Benedict stepped up and has done a great job. As far as moving it, I think that's a great right. idea. Um, you know, that, like Citadel, Coastal, Furman, Wofford. You know some some of those, but again, I, I like it in the middle of the state as well, like you said, um, just because it's centralized. Right. And again, I, I'm going to throw the number out, Coach. Okay, we've done some research. We've got some guys and girls that yeah. work behind the scenes here. 96k is what I'm understanding. 96k. That's a little bit of change, if you ask me, for a high school. Who, again, last time, if you guys go look at some of these campuses, they they they're not top dog. That they're not laid out. Some of these guys are putting turf down. Finally. A lot of these fields are, are struggling to keep their maintaining their own facilities, and they're going to give up some massive amount of money to go play a stadium that yeah. they that they again it's a state funded college. Again, I'm I'm a gamecock myself, so I'm, it's a disappointment for me on one level, but it, I need some closure and some clarity there as well because again, I'm I'm with you. I, I think Benedict has done an incredible job. I mean, a they yeah. put kids on their campus, and so now kids are looking at it. They just had their best season. They've had in how many years at, at the football in, in, over there at the college football program, so some of that could mirror together, right? I mean, you could be putting kids on campus that didn't even know that the facility was what it was, and it gives them an opportunity to upgrade as well. Um, the only thing I hate about moving it around though is because of the travel, right? I mean, if you're in Clemson, oh, yeah. uh, at, at Wahala, yeah. or you're up in Greenville, that's a little bit of drive to Coastal, it's a little bit of drive to Charleston, but the same thing goes for the kids in Charleston to go up to that way as well for Wofford and. Some of those schools, North Greenville, and schools like that, because that was the argument in the past when I believe we went to Clemson one year, and that was kind of the argument that mm-hmm. it was just too much driving for one or the other, right? That's why we try to keep it there. Yeah, in the yeah. I agree. I agree so, with that. The, the, the final thing is, Coach, uh, we're going to help you guys promote push to get referees. I know that's going to be a big, big problem, and I'm telling you, you know, we talk about all these other entities, the Heat, the student body, the this, that, and the other, but without a referee on that football field, there's not a football game that happens. Right, those guys that are uh, on that field, kind of realistically, they drive this car that we call Friday Night Lights. What do we need to do to get some more kids and, and, and young adults or whoever it is, you know, not really say kids, but some young adults out there on that football field and get some of these guys out of the stands because there's some pretty good refs. I don't know if you, you can hear them in the back when you're on the sidelines, <laughs> but there's a lot of people that know a lot about football sitting in the stands. How do we take them from the stands to the football field on Friday night? Well... You know, a, a, another great question. Um, but I, I think I think a lot of a lot of baseball umpires, a lot of basketball officials, a lot of football officials are getting out of it. Um, and let's just let's just throw it out there and say it what it is. Is because of the parents. Um, the the parents 
and just berating the umpires, berating berating basketball officials, berating football officials. That's why they're getting out of it, um, and why some guys are not going into it. Um, to be honest with you, how we can get people out there? Um, that's a great question. Um, I promote it. Um, we we need to we need, really need to promote it and, and get some more officials because some of the guys, some of the officials that we have some great officials in South Carolina. But some of them are getting up there in age as well, even though they're really good officials. Um, you know, they're getting to the point where they're getting ready to get out, and we don't have enough people to replace them, um, and, and, and we definitely need that. Um, I, honestly, I don't know the answer as to how to get people out there, but I do know the answer as to why they're getting out of it. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, too. I mean, I can tell you, I have sat on many a sidelines uh, before the game. I'm usually the guy in the press box. I was the voice of Somerville – for a few good years there, and that's you know I don't hear the noise as much, but as I get down on that sideline, you always hear those uh, you know those those uh, they like to call them our arm coach or the, uh, the the chair coaches and things like that, but they also are the referees in the stands. But to take those guys and just to give a hey, go down there and do what you got to do because that is a, that it's a major concern here in Charleston. I know there was a time definitely during COVID mm-hmm. where we were having to stretch it out a little bit, and it's going to affect Friday night games to move them to Thursdays possibly a Saturday game mm-hmm. and things like that, which is now making it um, a, a little bit of a different conversation when one guy plays on a Friday and another guy's played on a Thursday. It's a different day of rest, which may or may not play a part, but it's still going to be a good um, argument for another coach, correct? That's, that's correct. And Char- uh, Charlie Winsky, you know, from the high school league, he comes to, he comes mm-hmm. to most of our board meetings, and he, he warns us about that. He said, guys, especially – He'll come to our meeting in July, and and he'll and, and I know I know exactly what he's going to say when he comes about officiating. He said, "Guys, sometimes you might as well go ahead and prepare yourself. Sometimes we might have to move your game to a Thursday, or some some of you might have to play on a Saturday, due to due to lack of officials. Um, and 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 we know it's coming. It's a problem in our state. I wish more guys um, would get involved, especially younger guys that." you know, maybe go to college in the area that, that played high school football that, that are not playing college football um, or guys that are just in the workforce. They graduated from high school in the workforce. They played high school football. They love football and would, and would get into it. I wish we had more, more guys that would, that would step up and, and officiate for us. You know, the thing I would like to see coach too as well is how do we improve the refs that we do have? I, I get it that we're kind of getting what we got. We're dealing with it. We're trying to educate them. And I know that goes back to the head official there that you just mentioned but the educating them and getting them prepared because, again, there's uh, is a big drop-off. And you see it in coaching, too, right now, Coach, because I said this to somebody just the other day. When we played football, almost every coach on that staff that we played for could have been a head coach at any other high school in the state of South Carolina. That's not the conversation mm-hmm. we have today. And I'm not dogging the coaches that we have today. They're just a lot younger. They've been through different things. Some of the guys never played the game. Some of the guys don't understand. There's a difference between coaching and playing it, so it's just a different era, for lack of better words. But for me, how do, we, how do we educate some of these refs that we do have to get them a little bit more fine-tuned? And now with all these jumbotrons, you would think that they would make a commercial or, or some type of a, a piece on the jumbotron in between quarters, or in between breaks, that, that the head referee can make that conversation. Hey, you, talking to you, you in the stands. Aren't you tired of yelling at us on the field? We got room for you. Come on down. We got your whistle ready. Here's how you do it. And then put an address out. You know, something to kind of catch you, yeah. kind of funny, but yet you're being – sarcastically honest with these guys to get them off the stands and in the football field to help out with the, uh, the cause of putting those uh, referees on the field so that we can play every game on Friday night. Yeah. And they, and, and the high school league does a great job of doing that 
Um, we, we do it during the North-South game, and it's also an advertising during the state championship games. Um, as a matter of fact, during the state championship games the last few years, this, the South Carolina Officials Association has had a booth set up where you could come sign up if you're interested and you can get some information on, you know, what, is, what it takes to be an official in South Carolina, all of the extra um, the meetings that they have, the, the professional development type stuff that they have. Charlie – Charlie Winsky does a great job as far as trying to recruit officials, but when when he does recruit them and actually get them in, they have several different workshops throughout the year that that they educate these guys um, throughout the year with, on new rules, where you're supposed to be, positioning, you know, just just basic stuff. Um, and the high school league does a great job of that. But uh, like I said, there's just not enough of them. Right. I got you. So we talk about it as we get ready to wrap it up. And, Coach, once again, I want to thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us as we are with the South Carolina Coaches Association. Coach Lee Taylor joined us for about the last 30 minutes. And, Coach, there's so many questions. I just don't want to bombard you with too many, and I definitely don't want to catch you off guard. Uh, that doesn't do me any justice neither. But I do want to let you know and let everybody on that board, all the way from Coach Noonan to yourself and anybody else and all those who are part of your Coaches Association, this is your show. All right, we're here for you guys, all right? We want to give you guys an opportunity to have a voice. Uh, we've done a really good job of being uh, really down the line. You know, again, I call it spade mm-hmm. a spade. I have my own opinion about the charter schools. Um, I, I, I mm-hmm. will get into that next time I get you in here because that's a, that's a whole – look, that's a whole show, Coach. I get you in here, we might not talk yes, about sir. nothing else because I can tell you there's yes, a sir. lot of coaches who have a lot of feelings. But let's just be fair down the line. Let's set some rules, and then we'll go and abide by those rules. And you can't get mad at them. If that's the rule, that's the rule. We don't like it, then we need to change it, and then we can make the voice about it. But uh, maybe next week before we start our five-day shows here coming up in August, I get you back, or, and we can talk about this. And we can talk about what do we need to do. Uh, because, again, these kids deserve to be challenged. And I can promise you, a guy that's walking through 2A and doesn't have a, have a really have a challenge, I'm pretty sure the kids on the sidelines and on the football field, they probably want to play some better talent. They probably want to play some teams that are going to challenge them on a Friday night because winning by 40 and 50 points, it, it feels good the first time, but after the third or fourth or fifth time, quite frankly, if you're an athlete, that, that, that's not really fulfilling to you uh, on a Friday night or any other game. I agree. I agree. and I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on, and I look, I look forward to you not having me on on a regular basis, but also Jimmy and some of our other board <laughs> members um, that would be more than happy to come talk to you, um, you know, on a – on a regular basis throughout football season. Yeah. Well, we definitely want to do that, Coach. And, again, thank you so much for following us on social media. We appreciate you supporting us, you know, basically letting us be a part of your vision and, and your vision over there with the Coaches Association. And we do. We look forward to Coach Noonan. We haven't had him on. Uh, I talked to him a bunch when I was covering Somerville as the voice of the Green Wave. I used to talk to him a lot. Uh, so it would be fun to have him in here in this uh, – and, and this realm, I guess, uh, of being the president of the High School Coaches Association. But if there's anything that you need from us, you got my number directly. You can inbox me. Uh, you can ask me to retweet you guys, whatever it is. We try to keep up with you guys anyways. But before you go, when is the next event? I know that at the end of the month you coaches are getting together. Where, when, and, and, and kind of how is that going to work out? That will be um, July the 24th through the 26th. We will be at the Greenville Convention Center. Um, in in Greenville, and that'll be all sports. Um, it'll go from from Sunday to Wednesday, and it, it'll be every aspect that you can think of, from rules clinics to to college coaches, the high school coaches. Then, and there'll be you know 
4,000, 5,000 people there, which is, is always a great event. Coach Dula um, and, you know, Scott Early taking over now, they always put on a, put on a first-class event every single year, and uh, we look forward to that every single year. So we're looking forward to that at the end of, the end of July and then lead us into fall sports from there. Well, Coach, thanks again. We appreciate you. Try to stay cool, stay hydrated. This is the hottest summer we've had in a while in the great state of South Carolina. So uh, for everything that you have done and continue to do for our young athletes and that entire association, uh, we say thank you very much. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. Thank you for allowing us to uh, have you guys in here and supporting what we do here at Southern Sports Central for our state as well. Man, we appreciate it, and we appreciate everything you do for the athletes and the coaches around our state, and just just continue to do it and and get that word out there. We certainly appreciate it. All right, Coach, before we go, how do they find you guys on social media, and uh, how do they keep up with what's going on around the Coaches Association over there as well? Well, well, from from high school coaches, you can can join SportU. That's how we get a lot of information out on SportU. You can go to Twitter at SCFCA1. And that has all the information on Sports U. If you can't find it on, you can't find the Sports U information on Twitter, then you can you can send me a DM, and I'll be more than happy to to get it to you. So you can get all the information um, that, that that you need that's going on in the Football Coach Association around our state. All right, Coach. Until next time, God bless. Take care. Enjoy the weekend, my friend. And we again thank you for kind of breaking that mold and getting you in here with us because now your family you got you a seat here at the table and. We look forward to getting you back and uh, talking some more high school sports around the state of South Carolina. Sounds good, man. We appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Coach Lee Taylor from the South Carolina Coaches Association. Guys, I tell you, this has been a good one. We've had uh, three guests, and I'm going to be joined by one of the coaches from the state of South Carolina. Coach Smitty is going to hang out with us for the last hour here on Southern Sports Central to kind of review that interview and a few other hot topics around the state. This is a very strong school show today. Not a whole lot happening on the college front, but if you want to talk about some college football, come on in. Let's hang out. Let's talk about it. 515-602-9675. Again, the number to call in is 515-602-9675. If you want to weigh in on what the coaches have talked about, you just heard Coach Lee Taylor. Do you like 11-on-11? Do you like the 7-on-7? Which one do you like? Or do you like none of it? about my opinion? Spring ball. If you're going to go against talent competition on the other side, does it matter if they're in your hallway or in another hallway? Spring game is a spring game. Let's put up somebody on the other side. Let's charge to get in a little something and then throw it to a, a charity event. There's ways to do it and bring something good out of it, not just on the football field. We'll talk about that and much more as we head into the final hour of Southern Sports Central. Follow us on Facebook at Southern Sports Central and on Twitter. And that's so Sports Central, guys. We're coming back. Don't go anywhere.
just me, myself, and I. And Eugene Benton taking your calls at everybody. I'm Rich Yelvin here live on the final hour of Southern Sports Central on this beautiful Saturday morning in Charleston, South Carolina. It is the eighth day of July. We're glad to be with you today as we have enjoyed today's guest list. It has started off strong as we hit it at 10 o'clock this morning with Greenville area. The bus dropped off over there with Moving the Chains and Mr. Jarrell Hendricks joined us there for about 15, 20, 30 minutes. And then Shaq Davis, who's home in town uh, after, of course, he's had quite a few months there. Of course, uh, jumped in the draft and was finally uh, given the opportunity uh, to play football for the New Orleans Saints. He'll wear the number 80 jersey there for the Saints coming up this year. But a little more excitement happened after last, or two weeks ago, he was, uh, well, became a father as him and uh, his girl had a little baby boy and brought that little man into the world. So uh, he joins the fraternity of fathers, which is a big-time uh, opportunity, and I can tell you Shaq is going to be not only an amazing football player, but an even better father and a man in the world as I continue to watch this young guy grow from his days at Somerville to South Carolina State. Now you see what he does uh, as this chapter continues to start and begin over with the New Orleans Saints. And just moments ago, we wrapped it up with Coach Lee Taylor with the South Carolina Coaches Association, uh, giving you all the ups and downs and all around. Of course, uh, the uh, Coaches Association led by Coach Jimmy Noonan, who, of course, uh, for you guys down here in Charleston, you remember he was over at Rondo for so many years, uh, then took an opportunity in Georgetown and uh, decided to get out of the coaching side of things and uh, runs now this coaching association. And with that, let me bring in uh, Coach Smitty, who's uh, one of the co-hosts here, and they coach under those Friday night lights uh, here in our great state of South Carolina. Coach, uh, I know you've been sitting back listening there at home to all these interviews, but uh, – I'd like to end the day with you here, and uh, for the next hour, you and I talk a little bit about what we've been talking about here today on the show. Yeah, it was a great show today, that's for sure. A lot of great information. Uh, of course, the 
Coach Association does a great job in the state. Uh, we're, we're just looking forward to another hopefully successful football season. Now, Coach Smith, of course, uh, you know, we, we we talked a lot about things. Of course, you're over there at King Street now, and that's a school that's been combined with C.E. Murray, which you were the head football coach and the athletic director. You've seen now firsthand what it's like to take two schools and make them one. I was talking about that earlier uh, with uh, Coach Taylor. As I, I referred to Collison County. You know, Walterboro used to have two high schools there. They combined them as one. And when they were separately, Walterboro was a pretty good little high school there. They, matter of fact, they beat Somerville one year unexpectedly. Uh, to a lot of people's uh, dismay, but uh, I believe Ruffin had the other school in that area, but they combined them together to make Collinson County, and you would think when you put two schools together that are pretty good, you would think they'd be pretty great together, but that's not always the coach, uh, or the case, Coach. What is your thought process there? What happens when you combine two schools together, kind of the Hackfield and McCoys, because they're probably rivals prior to them joining together, like you saw, you see over at West Ashley, where you had St. Andrews and the other school over there that combined together to make one. So there's a lot of factors that go into a merger and how it can be successful. I think uh, some of the better districts to have done it in the past, obviously you got Georgetown County um, when they combined Choppy and Pleasant Hill to make Carver's Bay. That was a huge success. You also had uh, the creation of Timberland High School, uh, from Alvin and uh, St. Stephen's High School, and, and also um, at the time they had uh, closed, um, which is now Philip Simmons, Ken Hoy High School. So all three of those actually combined to make Timberland. Uh, now those Ken Hoy kids now go to Philip Simmons uh, here recently. So that was another great example, though, of a successful merger uh, of long-time rivals that happened in our state. So there's been some successful ones and some unsuccessful ones. Uh, we like to think we're going to be one of the successful ones, but it takes a huge amount of community effort, a huge amount of putting differences aside, working together for the children, having the community's best interest at heart. There's a lot that goes into play with a merger so it's not easy by any means like i said there are some blueprints of great success and then we have some others who haven't found that yet so we're going to see because you know here educationally in our state state department of education is kind of copying the blueprint from their georgia neighbors and creating these huge county schools pretty much uh, to close down a lot of your rural schools where they've been underfunded for years due to the state, even though now they're coming in saying, hey, we're the solution to your problem, even though they created the problem. But that's a whole nother show. And, uh, you know, like I said, it just takes a huge amount of human capital to create a successful merger. And a lot of times people get worn out and tired of the work, and then you end up with like we've seen there have been some unsuccessful mergers so hopefully like i said people will learn from past mistakes and, and keep pressing forward and, and try to do their best to make it a successful merger we got coach smitty here in the chair back here uh helping me wrap up hour number three the final power hour recapping the interviews that have happened today 
as we uh, try to again, and I mentioned this before, guys, you know, we've been off the air for a while and we get back in here because we want to help educate and entertain you guys with our high school athletes, get into the college athletes, because we do have a lot of guys uh, playing at the next level. We've got some really great colleges in our state here, not only South Carolina and Clemson and Coastal, the Citadel, Charleston Southern, Wofford, North Greenville. Don't forget, uh, there's Anderson. You know, there's other schools that are, that are getting football programs up and running. And you heard Shaq Davis. This is a guy that just jumped out of college and now is playing the NFL. He said, go where you can grow. Go where you can play so they can see you, so you can get them. Because waiting your third year in college is going to be tough to get that stat the way you need it to be noticed. I mean, this is a young man that only missed his, first, his freshman year, got his grades right, and since then he's been on fire. And, of course, uh, you know, his story kind of tells itself there as he's now an NFL football player playing for the New Orleans Saints. Now, Coach, you've got a guy that's going to be joining us uh, in the next couple of weeks that played football for you back in the day at C.E. Murray. Ended up going to South Carolina, was a dangerous, dangerous guy in the backfield on the defense, and now is a Colt, if I'm not mistaken, an Annapolis Colt. He got the call. Uh, you are there, of course, uh, that that's a you guys are a family basically i see the videos i see you guys making the trips doing the things uh tell us about that experience when as far as a head coach now you've got a guy that's in the nfl that you coach from his days of wanting and dreaming of playing the nfl now it's become a reality to watch him achieve these dreams as a coach i know it hits you differently yeah it does you know there's, there's no way to describe it of a guy who dreamed about that his whole life and worked so extremely hard to get to where he's at and um, again Darius Rush is a great role model for all young athletes who are in that same position dreaming about making the level that they want to make and also a great example of never giving up on yourself and continually working matter of fact he's in Texas now working out perfecting his craft again another great example here's a guy who gets drafted had a great great OTAs, led the team in interceptions and OTAs. Did he say, I'm going to take a huge break? No, he took a break enough to go to his brother's wedding here in Charleston uh, that we attended, and then, boom, right back to work. You know, so he did recharge a little bit, but he understands his, you know, this is his lifelong dream of playing in the NFL, and he's not going to let it. Uh, slip away by not putting in the necessary work. And that's what, you know, a lot of younger guys have to realize is the amount of work it actually takes to get to that level and stay at that level. Just because you make it doesn't mean you're going to stay. So you have to continually, continually improve at your position, continually work and, and, and work on your body, work on your mental health, all that, all that comes into play. So, uh, you know, again, another prime example of what young kids should do. And uh, I know a lot of guys getting this mindset of, oh, I made it. You know, I got a scholarship offer. I can stop working now. I can kind of cruise. No, it's not the case. You know, a lot of those guys end up, as we've seen, in the transfer portal after the first semester. Mm-hmm. They're not happy because they go into camp out of shape or what have you. And uh, they realize it's not high school anymore. You're not going to be necessarily the best guy on the team right away like you were in high school so again you got to constantly perfect your craft constantly work and each level you go up that has to increase uh it's just the way it is so for you high school kids listening out there make sure again if you're 
a guy who wants to go to college, you're increasing that level of level of skill. All that's got to increase to head to the next level. When you get there, it's got to increase again, especially if you have any dreams of making the NFL. Hanging out with Coach Smitty. Of course, he is uh, a big part of the show here on a regular basis now. We've got him his own little seat hanging out here in the studio with us and bringing in some knowledge from the coaching side of things. Eugene, of course, is out and about doing some things. Uh, it's a very busy season for a lot of teams, a lot of schools, a lot of coaches. And for Eugene, of course, just like Coach Smitty, these guys, it doesn't seem like these guys rest very well uh, because it's only a week here and a week there. And it's like I mentioned to Eugene, I said, man, look, just take some time. Go be with the family, man. You've been quite a busy man over there on James Island. Uh, you know, you can jump in here in August after you get your batteries charged up and, and things like that unless you have some time. Come on in. But for us, what we want to do, guys, and again, remember, coming in August, I'm going to take this five days a week. We're going to come at you Monday mornings from 6 to 8 in the morning through Fridays. We'll, have, uh, we'll, we'll go to some games on Thursday nights because there is here in Charleston. We do have a Thursday night game that we'll probably venture over to uh, from time to time, we may hit a Friday night game from time to time. We are in conversations with bringing you a Friday night football game right here on this network. So if that works itself out, great. The good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, then we'll, we'll hang out over there and we'll go and do what we need to do. If not, we'll do this pregame stuff. We'll do the postgame things. We'll continue to cover and smother you with the talent that's around our state, not only here in Charleston or around Somerville, Berkeley area, you know, we're going to talk about all of those teams because this year is going to be an interesting year, I feel, in Charleston alone. And when I mentioned Charleston, I meant Berkeley and Dorchester County because we do have about five different new coaches in the area that are probably going to make some pretty big splashes right away. I think the team that, to me, Coach, that I'm looking at right now, well, maybe two, but definitely I got my eyes on Berkeley right now. You know, Berkeley is a, a strong power uh, team in the state. They can borderline beat by the student body, from what I understand, they could easily be almost a 4A school, but they vouched to go into the 5A. Again, traveling is part of that conversation, if I'm not mistaken. They knew that if they were in 4A, uh, they would play the James Island, but then they would also have to venture down there to the Buford area. And I think that's one thing, or maybe even Collinson County, I think 4A as well. So they have a few teams that can hang out there. Of course, I think Stahl could fall down to 4A. So right then and there, you've got four teams within the Charleston area that could almost have their own region. Because I think it's, what, five teams make the region, six teams, Coach? Well, it just depends how many teams are in that region. Uh, every region has a right, which is another conversation. Every region has a different amount of teams. Sure. So, for me, I look at it, and, again, you know, I, I like having Berkeley in 5A or wherever Somerville is because that's one of the oldest rivalries in the state here. Uh, that is a very interesting week. Uh, between those two, I know uh, Berkeley goes out and buys this beat-up car, and they spray paint it, and then on Thursday night they take baseball bats to it and beat it down to nothing. <laughs> Somerville has their own thing that they do to, to, for their rivalry game. Again, and you always know who played when, where, and how at Somerville uh, when you, they talk about the rivalry that they played. Uh, you know, who is their rivalry? You know, of course, everybody's going to look at Fort Dorchester. It's definitely uh, one of the big rivalries there. Asher Ridge is – Always a conversation because they both share a Somerville address to some extent. Uh, but for me, yeah, I would like us to see maybe getting some of these realignments in a little bit better place, though, Coach. I mean, again, we talk about the charter schools. Uh, yeah, I would like to see Oceanside at least in 3A, if not 4A. I, I understand that they go up to the, the, the amount of students in the school, but there's got to be a curve somewhere in there that puts them 
in an area that they can actually go and be competitive every week instead of running through the gauntlet schedule that they do. Because you're not really doing the kids any favors when you're not putting them against good talent. They're not prepared. And then at the playoffs, it's almost like a shell shock because now they actually have to play four quarters and they're not substituting two or three kids out in the second or in the third and fourth quarter. And that to me is one of the things that I even looked at this little bit of time I spent at Oceanside was the region that they were in. I don't felt like it prepared them for the playoffs that they ended up getting in. Right. When you look at it there, coach, for me, you want to be competitive. You want to play those teams and you're seeing it. I mean, we talked about it earlier when I had, of course, uh, the gentleman from Moving the Chains come in here. You know, we had that conversation about Gray. There's a lot of schools right now that are not even going to play Gray, possibly, and they're regions that don't want to play Gray. How does that work? And, and, and again, are they penalized on that? How does the high school association, I'm curious, how do they handle that and make them play? Or do they penalize them into a point and say, look, if you don't play this game, it's going to affect you making the playoffs? I mean, to me, well, it- there's that weird line. How does that work, Coach? Well, it works by this. If it's a region game, you have to play it no matter what. So they'll end up forfeiting right. those games, which means you do risk your playoff spot. So that's, that'll be interesting. Again, I know there's a lot of positioning on that right now. We'll see when it comes down to the nitty-gritty in October whether people really want to forfeit or not. Um, we'll see. That's a big question. You know, that that would be very interesting to actually see happen and see what comes about because of that. But they would, you know, the rule set, the rule's a rule. Uh, the rules are still in place for this year, so they would have to forfeit if that was the case, and uh, that would affect playoff positioning. So that would be interesting, to say the least. Coach, let me ask you this. I, I was talking to Coach Lee Taylor. He and I seem to agree on a lot of different things. And, again, I understand, look, for you guys, I, I'm not here to get you guys in any in any situation to, to make you have a conversation after you get off the air. And I understand people listening to you guys. When they know you're on the air, the high school league's going to listen to you. Because why? Because you don't need to, to do anything to jeopardize the brand of the high school league. And we're not here to do that neither. What we are here to do is have the uncomfortable conversations because uncomfortable conversations get shit done. Bottom line, right? Uncomfortable conversations normally equal out some type of successful conversation that equals out some type of successful outcome, right? It, when, it's, when you get into that, what are we going to do next? That's my thing. Okay, so for me, I want to know why it's only three days to be acclimated. When I have these conversations, I talk right. to other coaches across the state, I am 100% fine with 11 on 11 and I still don't understand why we don't grow with the time that we're in if we're changing all this other stuff if we're changing there's no more grass on football fields then why don't we just go ahead and change there's no more scrimmaging against each other in the spring because it actually it doesn't mean anything it's no different than a game that it's no different than practices that they've had the four weeks before that game it's the same thing you just let fans come in some stands and you give them the feeling of putting whatever you're allowed them to do, whether it cut the lights on on a, on a Friday night and give them that experience, which we're not here for an experience. We're here for an opportunity to find out how far did we come in the three weeks and who do we have now that we've lost that senior class, right? I mean, that's the whole reason of spring practice, isn't it? Is it about the experience right. well, or is it about the opportunity again, to learn what you got going into the season? 
Right. Again, our closest neighbors, Georgia and Florida, right. both have spring football games versus other teams, not your own team. So that that makes right. perfect sense to me to be able to again kind of see where your program's at in the spring. You know, it gives the kids something to get pumped up about. Also, it gives, which is a huge issue these days, a fundraising opportunity for those schools to kind of get ready for football season. It gives them another opportunity to, you know, raise money that one night that they wouldn't necessarily have had before. Because right now, budgets are tight everywhere. I don't care what high school you are at, your budget is extremely tight. Fans don't come to games like they used to anywhere in the state. I've been to, as you know, I go to games all across the state when we're not playing from 5A to all the way down to 1A to ski the games. Fans don't go anymore, period. And, And that's not just at our level. It's at every level. You see attendances down at every level. So, you got to have as many fundraising opportunities as you can, and that would be a great chance to build another fundraising opportunity, kind of, uh, you know, bring two communities together, split the money between the two, and uh, it gives them a kind of a boost to go into the season with a little bit of extra cash. And, like I said, it boosts the kids up, gives them an opportunity for another film versus an opponent. Uh, that's not yourself, that you can kind of send off to colleges uh, at a crucial time in their recruiting cycle as well. As we know, spring recruiting is probably the biggest time of year for a kid's recruitment. So we need that opportunity. It would be a great thing, I think, to do that and then kind of cycle back down is, you know, what they call it, where, again, I don't agree with, going all summer without giving the kids a break. That, to me, that's ridiculous. It defeats the purpose of a high school athlete. High school athletes also need to be high school kids. That's why I always make it a point to give my guys an extra week off besides the two mandated weeks we get. Because, again, you want them to be kids. Most of these guys aren't going to play college-level sports. So, right. again, that would be a great Opportunity to give them another Friday night light situation, then cycle them down, make it mandatory. They take the next two weeks off, and then boom, you can start your summer conditioning after those two weeks. Still take Fourth of July week off. Still take the last week of July off. That's not going to affect the level of play here in South Carolina. The um, majority of kids are in great shape. They they do a great job in this state of coaching them up. So, to me, it makes perfect sense. I don't know what the high school league's position is on it or nothing like that, but it makes perfect sense in my book to to do that and uh, have an opportunity for the kids again. Yeah, and I and I agree with you. There's a lot of things that I, I like what we're doing in our state. Okay, again, I, I like a lot of changes that we're trying to figure out. I, I'm fine with change is part of life. If you're not changing, you're being left behind. All right, you don't ask. You know, you don't believe me? Go. Go call the guy that owns Kmart. Ask him how that worked out for him. Go, go, go reach out to some of these other places that were, were spheres that, that they were left, right? You know, you're seeing other places, you know, grocery stores that are no longer around, Bilo's, uh, Kroger's. You know, I mean, there's just certain areas that you're seeing successful businesses that didn't grow and change or whatever it was. They're no longer part of the conversation 
of being around anymore. And for us, we have a very good, a very good brand of high school football, baseball, basketball, volleyball, softball, track and field, you name it, we play it in this sport, in this state. And I'll put our athletes against any other state in the country. And that's just the way it works. We might not be the biggest, right. but we're the damn bad. Right. And that's what I'm and, – and well, people come to our state, they know what they get. Right. And I don't pretend to know everything, but I do know this. Basketball has that opportunity. They created that opportunity for basketball. Mm-hmm. The high school league created where basketball teams can scrimmage each other in the summer. So, mm-hmm. me – and I know it's a non-contact sport, but we're only asking for one opportunity, not several, which basketball has several opportunities in the summer to scrimmage each other, which is great. I love it. It's a great opportunity for the basketball kids. You know, they also have that Rock Hill Showcase event where they actually play games against each other uh, in the summer. So that's great. That's, right. that's exactly where we want to head with football. So only we right. don't need – 50 opportunities, we only need one. Like I said, we're just asking for that one spring opportunity, play a spring game versus another community. And, again, heck, I was a assistant coach at the Citadel from uh, 2003-2006. I had the recruiting area of Jacksonville, Florida. Even back then, when I went to Jacksonville, Florida, at that time they were allowed to play what they call the spring jamboree where it would be a jamboree and, you know, five, six schools would play at one time and every recruiter in the nation would um, head to there because it was the only action you could see at that time in the spring recruiting cycle where teams were playing against other teams. And now, like I said, Florida and Georgia have gone to, you can actually play a spring game versus another community, which is even better in my opinion. So, um, and that's something that, Hopefully our coaches association can get on board with and and kind of push and, and push the high school league on that. Hopefully the high school league agrees to it. I think it would be a great opportunity. Yeah, that's a great opportunity. What did we talk about earlier in the show? Referees, how do we get them better? What? You get them better by practicing, right? That's a perfect opportunity. They say practice makes perfect, but I don't believe that practice makes perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Uh, makes perfection, That's but true. yeah, I got That's you. <laughs> it still gives them another game-type game atmosphere, right. right, where they're able to, right. you know, sharpen up some skills. And I think, you know, it would be great for them as well to have that opportunity to sharpen some skills up before you start the season. It, it just makes, you know, perfect sense for them. Because, uh, again, most of those guys, I know, go from referee in football to referee in basketball to referee in baseball, softball. So that's kind of an issue. But usually baseball, softball would be closed up by the time you would have a spring game, which would be towards the end of May. So, uh, again, I think it would be a great opportunity to get those guys kind of back in the swing of things as well. So we'll see. Hopefully, like I said, everybody's on board with our way of thinking and, uh, if not, like you said, well, we'll just continue to chug along. We've still got a great state of high school football, like you said. It's just, you know, we don't hate to see our kids lose opportunities, especially nowadays where it's so hard with the current environment. Now, there's a lot of things against these young athletes that, quite frankly, 
you know, they're they're going against different things that you and I went against. I mean, and that's yeah. I I, I hate saying certain phrases because I can feel like I hear my dad, and it's one of those moments you're like, damn. Or I make a facial expression. I'm like, oh god. You know, you just feel like you've hit that you've hit that part in your life that you become your parents or you became you know something that you never thought you would, and then it helps you understand something that you didn't understand back then. And for me, you know, again. I, I'm writing down my notes as I'm talking to all these guys today and really got a lot out of this with, with Coach Taylor. I am a huge advocate of let's get this spring game done. So if I can get the commissioner back in here, let's have a conversation, Commission. I have nothing but respect for you and your board and what you guys do, and I'll support you, but help me understand, okay? And all I'm saying is, and people listen, if you want people to understand and respect what you say, then you have to respect what they say. So it's a give-and-take conversation there. So what I'm saying is it's simple. All right, let's open the gate. All right, let's open the gates. Let's charge a little five dollar admission. Man, if you ain't got five dollars, stop. Don't go to McDonald's today. Pay five dollars. Go watch that kid play some football. Go get you a hot dog with some chill in it. You never know. One of the guys from moving the chains may be there, hanging out with you. We may be there. But at the end of the day, you're going to take that five dollars or whatever it is to get in. They're going to give that to a miracle league or to some other charity that's happening. Maybe a family's lost their home to a fire down the street. They want to give that to them. You're giving it to a good cause, but you're also giving a good cause on the football field because now these coaches are going to get some actual film because they've been watching their kids hit each other just like the kids are tired of hitting each other. They want to see how far they've come in three or four weeks. So then you're able to take that and build from that. Now you're not going to play somebody in your region or somebody that's on your schedule. And you're not there to score a bunch of points. You're there to do a bunch of drills. You're there to run a bunch of plays. You're there to do a bunch of things to see how far you've come because – the first thing I can tell you, and being a part of a team for as long as I was at Summerville, the one thing I remembered was the first coaches meeting we had after that last game. Because then you go in and you start writing down on the board who's coming back, right? So now you get to see not only who's back, but who's back and where they fit. Because maybe last year he was a good guy linebacker, but he's got a little different something about him, so I'm going to move him over here to corner. Or maybe I'm going to move this tight end to a wide receiver or this lineman to tight end. Whatever the case may be, it gives you a chance to see something that you're not prepared to see because you're playing against somebody on the other side. And then I do love, and I use that word, the 11 on 11. I think it puts more guys on the football field. I think it gives it a little bit more of a football feeling. All right? Baseball's all year long. Basketball, thank you, AAU. They've been breaking this thing down for so many years, way back when I was growing up. They kind of are the blueprint of how to do sports 24-7. I understand it's in a gym. But it's also the same body that's working up and down a court, jumping up and down, doing things, wearing down, just like anybody else. Now, I don't believe that contact sport is what you would direct high school, college, or NFL football. To me, it is a gladiator sport. It is a collision sport. But I believe when it's not a contact sport or when it's not a collision sport, there's no contact at 11-on-11. There's no contact really on 7-on-7, even though there's a lot of jarring going back and forth. But I would love to see an eight-game season for two or three months from let's start it in March and end it in May, and you have eight games. Or you can do five games, but then you have a little bit of a, 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 little bit of a tournament. And you can only stick to the counties that you live in. Make it three counties wide. So for Charleston area, it would be Charleston, Berkeley, and Dorchester. And the high schools here would go into a pool, and then you would have a playoff. And they would have a trophy. At the end of the, they could call it the Tri-County Trophy. And they would hand it to whoever won that 11-on-11 season in the spring. But now the rules are you got to have good grades. you got to have good attendance. All right? you got to know how to behave. 
Now, all the things that you got to have during the football season, but what it does is help these coaches keep them in their arms, keep them on their fields, help keeps them in their check, and help keeps these kids eligible to play so that coming at the end of May, when these kids are struggling for whatever reason, and these coaches, let's be honest, there aren't many coaches that stay in touch with their football players during the spring. And unless something's changed, that's always been something I've seen. All right, their kids come in the gym, they work out, uh, they're going to go back home and play on their video games or do whatever, but at least this keeps you in check. Now, how do you minimize the amount of coaches? Then you can only have four coaches. You don't need 11 coaches because you, you, know, you don't have as many players there as you would. You minimize the roster that you would have. There's ways to do it, to maintain it, to handle it and control it so that everybody wins. I don't know, do we have to sell it to the high school league to make it feel like it's their idea for them to want to do it? Is that the hiccup that we got? Or is it the factor that we're stuck in what used to be is what it is doesn't always mean it's what's going to work? You know, to me, those are the questions I have in the spring game in the 11-11. I talked to a coach uh, that you and I know really well that coaches at another smaller school, and he actually told me this last year about the 11-11. He said, we like the 7-7, but we'd rather have 11-11. What do you like better about the 11-11 coach compared to the 7-7? Well, you know, it's it's more realistic for your season. So, seven on seven's great, built skills for the quarterbacks, wideouts, D-backs, but there's no linemen involved, you know. So, that's a huge um, gap between what you're going to see in the season. And as we know, uh, it's a whole different ball game when you get 11 on 11. So, uh, you know, to me, it would be great to have an 11-on-11 opportunity. And, again, I, I, you know, they allowed the whatever it is now, the 11-on-11 practices. I know some coaches like that. Again, there's no pads on in that, so it's kind of unrealistic. You know, I don't like the unrealistic stuff of it. I think you're getting into kind of just pointless drills at that point because, again, I've seen it throughout my career. You put the pads on and everybody changes. So these kids that look great with T-shirts on and, you know, they're they're grabbing another lineman's shirt and one-on-ones in the T-shirt. And then when the pads get on and and he actually gets hit back with pads, it's a whole other story. And so I like the realistic issues of it. So I'd rather see – 11 on 11 padded, you know, instances, which, again, I know, again, we get into the whole um, trying to limit contact, all that issue. So I get it. But at the same time, like I said, our neighbors have gotten past all that. They're full speed ahead with what they're doing. So I think it's time for us to join the crowd. I just want to know what's it going to take, though. That's kind of the conversation. I think that's kind of is like conversation. What's it going to take for us to do? And, again, I, I understand the concern. I mean, our, our number one, and, and this is something whether you're part of the Coaches Association, the high school league, Southern Sports Central, moving the chain, anybody and everybody in this state of South Carolina, your number one priority is to take care of this young man or young woman. The safety, the health, and the mindset of an athlete is our number one priority here. But it's also right. to put our young athletes in the best position possible to be successful, right? I mean, that's what we're here to do. Right. And I say that all the time. Right. I also think that there ought to be you – know, 
if you're going to be a high school athlete, listen to me, then you need to be taking finance and you need to be taking public speaking. You need to be taking classes that are going to help achieve the things you want to achieve. You need to learn how to speak. You need to learn how to, to interact with, with the media. You need to learn to interact with people. You need to learn how to finance your own bank account and not pay some other dude over here to pay or whoever to take care of your finances. You need to understand how to do certain things. And again, educating them on and off the field is a massive thing. But when we have that opportunity and you're seeing it be successful in these other surrounding states, and we need to at least entertain it, check it for a season. And if it doesn't work, you can't. Nobody said we can't go back to what we used to do. Nobody said you can't go back to what we used to do. What we can do, though, is try it for a season. And if it works, great. If it don't work, then it didn't work. But you it can then say, well, we gave it a shot and didn't work. You know, there's so many things that, that we're going to continue to try to uncover. And I'm going to try to do what I can to try to figure out, you know, uh, I struggle with that whole moving the state championship game around, Coach, because, again, I understand the travel part of it is, is, is a realistic because not everybody's got the funds, man. And I think, quite frankly, every mama should be in that seat to watch their baby play football on Friday, Saturday, or, or Thursday. And not everybody can afford to come from Wahala, South Carolina. Myrtle Beach or Charleston or any of these other schools, you know, no different than anybody sitting there in Cherry Grove or Lawrence or Surfside Beach can drive all the way to Clemson to watch their baby play. You don't know the dynamics financially of a parent, but if it's in the center of the state, which goes back to the University of South Carolina, it is called the University of South Carolina, funded by who? The state of South Carolina. They make a lot of money on the stands and the cars and in, 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 in the concession stands, I am baffled by the number that was sent to me earlier today, what it, they are charging for the high school league to use their football fields for three days out of the year. Considering these same athletes, aren't these the kids that you want to see? Sit in your stands, come to college. If they don't play college football, come to your university. What better way to give these kids an introduction and an experience that they'll be grateful for the rest of their life? You know, I'm going to tell you something now. You know, Benedict is awesome. They don't charge us a dime to put our kids in the stands and in the seats and to and, and to participate three days out of the year. And that's why, right. you know, if if you can't match that, well, why? I can you? tell you. I can tell you from experience. Back when we played in the state championship game in 2015, we made. $12,000 that year, thanks to Benedict, as a 1A school playing at Benedict. Because, again, Benedict, I've seen all the contracts. Benedict does not charge. The only thing they charge is they take over parking in the concession. So that's why you pay the $10 it is to park. I think it's 20 now to park. But either way, that's how they make their money is off of parking and concessions. So they didn't charge a rental fee, though, whereas I know – uh, back at that time, uh, the teams that played at Williams Bryce, like Coach said previously, they actually had to write a check back to the high school league. Because again, and and it's only would get worse now if that rental fee still applies. But fans don't. I don't care if it's a state championship game, regular game, playoff game. Fans don't go to games like they did back in the '60s, '70s, '80s even leading up into the 90s, 2000s. They don't go to games like they used to. So these huge rental fees are just a disaster 
to someone who's looking to make money off of a state championship game, you would be better off playing at a neutral high school field between the two teams uh, if they're going to charge a rental fee. So, and I know that takes away from the experience of making a state championship game. Point is, the rental fees were astronomical. It was in the 95 to 100 range for williams Bryce Stadium. And I know this because I was the AD at Scotts Branch when we played and won the state in girls basketball. The Colonial Life Arena rental fee was even more. I think it was like 109000 to rent out Colonial Life Arena. And, again, most of the schools that played uh, during that weekend at Colonial Life had to write a check back to the high school league and didn't make a dime because of uh, the rental fee being so high and not getting enough fans in the stands. So you got to have an asset. You know, you got to basically almost sell out the place to make money on those kinds of rental fees. Now, here's where I have a huge issue. And, again, I don't care about the rivalry. Clemson, Carolina doesn't affect me one bit. But, see, when he was at Clemson, and, you know, he just left Oklahoma. Uh, Venables brought him to Oklahoma to kind of do what he did at Clemson. And now I've recently he left Oklahoma. But Thad Turner, see, came to the high school league coach association one year with a fantastic proposition to move all the games to Clemson where everybody was guaranteed to make money and then all the politics and stuff comes out and oh no we can't travel all the way to Clemson well do you want to make money and play in a big stadium or you don't because that's what it amounts to so Clemson had a great deal where you would actually make a lot of money for each team that played in it um, obviously, they waived all of their rental fees and got sponsors and stuff like that. Well, again, that got voted down because, you know, people's personal interest, in my beliefs, got involved. Politics got involved. And it should be about the kids. It shouldn't be about any of that. And instead of taking a, a great deal, we end up now in the position here where we are. We're trying to still find a place. We don't have a place. Still trying to find a place. It's ridiculous. Uh, no other state operates that way, unfortunately. Uh, I know in Massachusetts, they all play at Gillette Stadium. Robert Kraft gives them the stadium for free. They don't pay a dime. And that's the way it should be. Now, obviously, we don't have a pro team, but we do have two major college football teams. Uh, and we got some other 1AA teams that have major stadiums, Citadel, Coastal Carolina is a you know group of five school that has a big stadium. I mean, pick one, stick with it, and 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 make sure everybody's going to make money. That, that, that that's the goal, right? So again, Benedict was a great option for one A and two A for years because you made a lot of money. Although you know some people felt like the experience is a little different. You're not at Clemson, Carolina, big school, blah blah blah. So now they're wanting to move that. But, again, Benedict was great to us. They did a fantastic job hosting, and everybody made money there. So it comes down to what people truly want. Do you want the experience? Do you want the money? Do you want both? Well, if you want both, you only got a couple options. 
so that that's kind of where I'm at on that whole issue. But that people as a whole need to decide what they want. Yeah, and this will be a table conversation, just like the other two. Of course, the 11 on 11, changing it from the 7 on 7. You already talked about the quarter rule. Of course, don't forget, they're going to be meeting together uh, coming up uh, July 24th up there in Greenville. We may make a road trip. Let me see if I can get away for that weekend. That would be kind of a neat thing for us to go up there. And uh, I'd like to sit in and hear some of this stuff. I mean, you know, I'd like to help out the coaches association. I'd like to help out the referees. I mean, we need to get that stuff. That's a necessity. Without Again, without a referee, you don't have a football game. All right, and and we got to get these guys and girls up and running. Uh, and again, uh, you got what you got. And again, for you guys that like to sit in the stands and yell down to the football field, guess what? They got you a whistle and a gear. They can take care of you. Just come on down and sign up and and get out there on a Friday night, and they'll pay you for your opinion. That's pretty cool. You're gonna get paid to yell and blow whistles and and do the things you do. Not not a bad little side job for you, but uh, we'll kind of table a lot of this. We do want to thank everybody who joined us today. Jarrell Hendricks with Moving the Chain. He is one of uh, the three guys that do an incredible job covering and smothering the state for us uh, in high school sports. Shaq Davis, former Somerville High School football standout, South Carolina State standout, and current wide receiver for the one and only New Orleans Saints. He's number 80 on the chart, number one in the hearts. He's a brand-new dad, part of that new father fraternity, and we're excited for Shaq and all of his success on and off the field. And then, of course, uh, we just wrapped it up there with uh, Coach Lee Taylor. He is uh, – over there on the board with the South Carolina Coaches Association. We look forward to having him, Coach Noonan, and a few other guys on with us as well. Of course, uh, Coach Smitty, man, we always appreciate you jumping in here with me and uh, just kind of hanging out with us for a while as uh, we get ready to go back to five days a week. And I keep telling people, man, the car's been in the garage for a little while, so I just got to get them out and uh, get the voice ready and get the interviews up and moving, kind of get our guest list back to where it used to be because we will next week be back right here on Southern Sports Central at 10 o'clock. We're going to get back into the college conversation. Uh, Kevin Noon, he covers the Big Ten for me. He'll join us. we got an SEC guy joining me, an ACC guy joining me. So next week we'll touch high school football in hour one, but we'll get back into hour two being a little bit more heavier in the college front because we are less than 100 days away from some college football, guys. So we're going to start breaking down uh, some of the teams. Uh, We'll talk South Carolina teams, of course, and we'll get educated in the Big South, the Southern Conference, and a few other conferences here in the state, and uh, this time try to make sure that we give all of our teams here in our state that have college football some love as well. So that means SoCon John will be back in here with us as well. Before I leave, I do want to send my thoughts and prayers to my community, who, of course, uh, we lost one of our good coaches up there in the high school at Sockacy. Derek Hilton passed away on uh, Sunday morning. Uh, he, of course, battled cancer and uh, fought the good fight at 44 years old. I'll never forget Derek uh, in our days in high school. He was a basketball guy who uh, would walk down the hallway as a freshman, smiling from one end to the other, never had a bad thing to say about a person, never did he ever, ever not offer an opportunity to lend a helping hand and a shoulder to lean on. I had a conversation with him about three weeks ago, and he made me promise him if I needed him, he'd call him, and here's a guy fighting for his life. So, We'll end the show with uh, with that. And, again, uh, for you guys who are looking to be a part of his service, they are doing something at Sockacy on Monday. Uh, you can check us out at, at SO Sports Central. We'll release that information. And, again, just keep his uh, family, his kids, his wife, and their prayers, and all of those in that Sockacy community as well. Coach Smitty, appreciate you, my friend, and we'll talk to you off the air and see you right here next weekend, buddy. We appreciate you.
All right, guys. So on behalf of all of us at Southern Sports Central, follow us on Twitter at SR Sports Central, on Facebook at Southern Sports Central. I'm Richie Alvin. This has been a Southern Sports Central Radio Network production, and we'll be back live next Saturday morning, guys, at 10 a.m., guys. Until then, stay safe, stay hydrated, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>